Flight 209er, this is Denver Flight Control. You're approaching some rough weather. Please climb to 42,000 feet. Roger, Denver. We have a visitor. Hello. Hi. This is Captain Over, Mr. Murdoch, and Mr. Boston. This is Joey Hammond. Oh, hi, Joey. Come on up here. You can see better. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? We'd better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209er to Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Bye, Clarence. Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? Yeah. 
to you on this Thursday. It's uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Thursday. Welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. Uh, we are here live today, uh, last live day before vacation. So wallow in our spontaneity while ye may. Uh, 503-733-2970 is our telephone number today. 503-733-2970. Uh, you want to, uh, contact us with your comments, your clarifications, or, you know, whatever. Uh, Scotty J is standing by, ready, willing, and able, with bated breath to pass along, uh, your, uh, observations about anything. The tedious, the interesting, the groundbreaking, the mundane. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-P by 70. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can do that. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. A uh, little uh, Blood Rock for you there. Just incidentally, just a tiny observation. We'll be playing the, little, the hook from Blood Rock throughout the day. But I will say this, that yesterday... It's always great when you get to play that song for somebody that hasn't heard it before. Because Becca, who works at KUFO Promotions, because Gordon Fatboy had heard us playing the, you know, Teach Me How to Die part, which is sort of like an honorary Trey Parker song before there was even Trey Parker. And I think it's Spinal Tap before there was even Spinal Tap. Because I think Spinal Tap is like 77, 76, something like that. And Blood Rock is like 73. Anyway, she'd never heard it, and I had to keep telling her that it wasn't a choke. That it was, it was an actual, I, what did we do? We determined that it, we went to number 31 or something. It's an actual top 40 radio hit right here in the United States of America. The great thing about that song, though, the great thing about that song and that band is that so Blood Rock forms uh, in Dallas, Texas. They get together, they have this one hit, uh, DOA. And then, of course, the inevitable end to the story, it ends the way that they all uh, do, where the guy who fronts uh, Blood Rock and is sort of the, the chief architect of the band then becomes a born-again Christian and now refuses to play the song. So if you pay like $7 to go see Blood Rock at an, at an Eagles Lodge or something, now you don't even get to hear DOA. There you go. The end. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And I'd never really noticed this before, uh, but we got this. this let me just... Just drop the mono bed just a little bit here. This from airplane. Flight two 
I didn't really notice this, but somebody points out that they're playing a propeller sound in what is clearly a jet. I had never noticed that. Maybe that's part of the joke. Okay, well spotted, sir. You're right, it is in fact propeller audio on a jet airplane. All right. I'd like one ticket to Chicago. No baggage. Smoking. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. We've all, you've seen Airplane, right? All the way through, front to back, from the beginning? Oh, come on! We've had... Come on! Rick, how many times do we have to have this thing? We haven't had this conversation about Airplane. We had it about Rushmore. We've had it about Rocky oh, planes, in the past. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles. planes? It had a plane in the title. All right. No, I haven't seen it. You've never seen Airplane. What kind of man are you with, anyway? Seriously. And we have had that conversation made me about a different Rushmore. man in a different movie. You watch what? What'd you think? Well, I watched part of it. Oh, come on! No, I, I'm trying. Try not! Do or do. God damn it. I was watching it and then I. Ah! Fell asleep. No! <laughs> Twisting the I knife. I watched it after another movie when I shouldn't have because we we started the second movie after, you know, I shouldn't have. I'm gonna say after we finished watching one already and it was late at night. I mean this in the most loving way possible, but I'm going to beat you in the face. Yeah, Tim didn't like that very much. <laughs> kind of scary. No, isn't that a little... What Am I saying it wrong? What's the That's My Bush catchphrase? Did you watch That's My Bush when it was on TV, the actual series? No, I think I saw like one episode. Because, you know, it was done as like a parody of a sitcom. And you know how sitcoms always have catchphrases like dynamite and the, sit, the, the catchphrase from That's My Bush, which is not a very good show. Points for trying. E for effort. Not a very good show. The catchphrase was at the end of the episode, George Bush and Laura Bush would have learned a lesson. And then they would be sitting in bed, Mike and Carol Brady style, sort of recapping what happened during the day. And she'd say, George, I'm sure glad you learned a lesson. And he'd say, I sure did, Laura. I'm doing my Clinton thing. But he'd, he'd say, yeah, I did, Laura. I learned blah, 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 blah. And then she'd say, all right, George, you're my little special man, aren't you? And then he'd say, I'm going to punch you in the face. And then the audience would go, ah. And then the credits would roll. That was the whole, that was a running joke in the program. Is the catchphrase was, I'm going to punch you in the face. Said from George Delorme. Uh, there you go. Exactly. It was really the only consistently funny thing about that show. Anyway. Um, well, we'll fix your little red wagon here in a minute. All right, it's 503-733. You fell asleep. I fell asleep. I mean, my wife fell asleep during The Godfather, but that's like a 12-hour movie. All right, never mind. Fine, fine. No, and I, I will watch it again. I don't uh -huh. have a... Um... I have a really crappy DVD player because another one crappy. Now you're blaming the DVD player. I do. It's not my fault. I don't have fast forward. I don't have like skip ahead or anything. All I have is play. Why would you be skipping ahead anyway? Well, or rewind. So like if I step out of the room and I can't, it, like for you example. pause. Well, I fell asleep. So I, I would have to start the movie all over again after like an hour, you know, watching it for an hour. Okay. That's about it. Your do. defense for not, I was just going to say your defense for not watching all of Rushmore is that you fell asleep. <clears throat> That's what it all comes. That's fine. All right, whatever. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Doesn't matter. Should to get past it right now? All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Phone calls we'll get to in a minute. Phone calls we will get to uh, later on. We have a CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard uh, coming up today. Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, let's see, top five traveling songs. We didn't get to it yesterday, but it's better that we do it today anyway. Top five traveling songs uh, of all time. We'll be doing that. Uh, our good friend Dennis Pitsenbarger stops in later to uh, pimp his uh, weekend thing, and he will relay much better than I could 
the story of him uh, wheeling me around the, uh, the, the, the around the side streets downtown in that Mustang of his, which really is some unholy hell device that, that's just designed to kill people, I think. I mean, I'm sure it's sure it's wonderful automobile and all, but goddamn, that was terrifying. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday, so we'll do a High Concept later on. Um, I have some news I do want to get to, and then I have this pile here. And most of it, I'm going to tell you straight up, this, all of this news is outdated. This news right here, most of it's outdated. Some of it from many, many, many weeks ago. But I'm going to try to start clean on uh, Monday, uh, the 24th, when I get back. So I'm, I'm just going to quickly go through all of this news later so that it's all just done and finished. Uh, what else? I think that may be it. I mean, as far as things I'm actually going to you know, d- 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 schedule right now. Yeah, Lisa, uh, Lisa got her gym group, top five, Dennis Pitsenberger, uh, high t- uh, content Thursday. Um, we may or may not do an entire segment later of phone calls beginning with this one time while I was flying. Uh, because you fly out, what, tomorrow night? Tomorrow afternoon? Yeah. Okay, so I'm flying out tomorrow morning. You are flying out tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so because we will not be live tomorrow to have terrifying stories of air catastrophe, we may have to do those today. Uh, so much the better if they involve spiders or hair stuck between your two front teeth. Rick, this email says, the propeller noise in airplane is explained in the commentary. The Zucker Brothers, what a great name that is, wanted to put it on an old plane, but the studio didn't uh, didn't want them to, so they just put the propeller noise in anyway as a joke. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Also, you've asked Sarah like five times in the past if she's seen airplanes. She always says no, and then you act surprised. Okay, there you go. Uh, the you, com- do, you are starting to sound like a crazy person with the it's airplane not that, thing. Well, it's, I mean, look. Who you can, do ask. You ask me like once a week. Who can keep track of what you've seen and what you haven't? I mean, honestly. I'll do a master checklist one of these days. That could be a high-concept topic right there for High Concept Thursday. Movies that Sarah has to see or will kill her. Uh, it, the, the commentary... Look at you in the killing today. And the punching in the face. Uh. <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, yeah. The commentary for Airplane is genius, by the way. And by genius, I mean, well, it's just weird. Because for guys who make such a funny movie, they're not really funny guys. And so that's a 90-minute film and about 45 minutes through. And I've mentioned this to, to Aaron. And it, it, I'm not, this is not, uh, not exaggerated. It's not hyperbole. Um, they have commentary for about the first 45 minutes. And then they just run out of things to say, and literally the rest of the commentary is them trying to think of good jokes they may have heard. And then it's like, literally at one point they go around the room going, has anybody heard any good jokes? Because they've, they've told every story about the movie, and they've got nothing left to say in the last half of the commentary. Worth owning, though. I mean, it really is worth it. You really, you really ought to own it. i got a couple of other airplane speeches that I, I may try to play today. All right. Uh, Scotty's scratching me. It's not high concept Thursday. It's relatable Thursday. Get it straight. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend. Uh, all right, well, we'll come back to Sarah's night last night here in just a second, which is pretty interesting. Much more interesting than mine, anyway. Uh, this is uh, Tim Riley, though, is working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. Uh, the president will make a speech and pretend he's cutting troops in Iraq. Excellent. The Burnside Bridge is going to be closed for three weeks. The Brits say they're going to go to the moon. A construction worker in Aloha is crushed by a road scraper. Oh, ho, ho. dead? Is he killed? Uh, okay. He was alive, but but time has passed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, cruel Oregon Fish and Wildlife officials take a family's pit deer away, bring it back to the wilderness where it is expected to die. And the Oregon Duck mascot has been suspended after walloping the Houston Cougar mascot. Really? I got the video on my uh, blog today. That is wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. We love mascot stories like that. Uh, let's get this call, and then we'll uh, talk to Sarah about her uh, evening last night, uh, which is sort of Sarah's life has become more and more... 
like, like as I, I think I said this a few months ago about something that we had all done, and I forget what it was, but Sarah's life specifically has become more and more like those couple pages of black and white photos in the beginning of Playboy magazine, where it's like, what happened last month at Hefner's place? Uh, and it's always some party that I was not invited to, you know? Here's Francis Ford Coppola lounging in the grotto. You never go anyway. No, it's true. Uh, hello, Sarah Madden, is the case maybe. How can I help you? Uh, sir, and, uh, first of all, I had a question for Sarah. Yeah. Uh, wanted to ask who the author was of Girlfriend in a Coma. Oh, that's Douglas Copeland. Douglas Copeland? Yes. Okay. Copeland, C-O-U-P-L-A-N-D. Excellent. Secondly, I think I mentioned this when Sarah went to uh, New Orleans, but it's a good idea to spend a couple bucks on some candy bars and get all liquored up for free on your flight if you give them to the flight attendant when you get on the plane. Oh, yeah. Oh, that you can bribe the to flight bribe attendant them. with candy? Oh, yeah. No, I'm just filling that little plastic bag, that quart-sized bag, with mini bottles of vodka. Now, did you find it that they will let you... I mean, not that it applies to me, but they will let you do that? Oh, yeah. Remember, I did it last year. They, yeah, but... they kind of give you a sad look, but they don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, are things like, that I don't have home, any but at least I have 17 <laughs> bottles of vodka. I'm not going to be using deodorant of any kind, but at least I'll be drunk. <laughs> Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. No advice for me, I see. Said question for Rick, question for Sarah. There was no question for me there. None. Zero. Did you have a good... There's no question for me. And now he's gone. All right, fine. Doesn't matter. All right. I can't seem to hang this phone up. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, let's see. Well, I got a couple things to talk about, and then I, I'm unclear about... Uh, for the love of... Okay, let's just... Before we do anything else... Daddy J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, don't kiss me on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. Why, hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, Glide. Hi, Scotty. How are you? See, that's kind of... Is it Glide or Glide? It's Glide. Is I that in a, Oregon? I added a G in there. But, you know, this is relatable to your airplane flight. Glide? What a city to pick on a day like this. I think he's drunk. I am. No. Yes, your <laughs> your no coward esque wordplay is astounding. Thank you. It took a lot of thought. You sound really slurry today. You're a slurry. With I think it's this top. room because I sounded yes, great down the hall. <laughs> yes, this is a drunk tank. <laughs> it is. It's a drunk tank. You just come in here and become intoxicated. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe it's that microphone. room the is intoxicated. The I was going to say intoxicated. Maybe that pro- maybe that microphone still has so much of your whiskey soaked <laughs> breath on it. Hey, did you drink that uh, that Johnny Walker? That the, the that no. Listener, in fact, uh, I was looking for. Because we moved, you know, and I'm Looking like, for it. you weren't sniffing it out. I mean, I know it's, it's here somewhere. It's like a prize. I mean, I. Value it's like that. a cracker jack in the uh, prize and in, in the in the box of your new yes, home. Yeah, it is. Because we had that listener Mateo who dropped off all that, and then Sarah took the Johnny Walker green, I think, or gold. Yeah, I, I drank the bottle of champagne that the Marconi show gave us. I think Woo! I ended Which up I... with the gold somehow. I have the. Green. Well, there was Johnny Walker black, gold, blue, and green. I took the blue. I think I took the green. And then you have the Johnny Walker black and Johnny Walker blue. Uh, I have the black and the gold. Black yeah. and the gold. All right. But you don't know where they are. So your children have probably consumed it by now. That's possible. Like father, like son. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, A, are you prepared for the next six days of ricklessness? Uh, we have a one-day start, yes. You have one day worth of best-ups <laughs> created. Yes. Well done. Excellent. It took me a week. To uh, somebody asked me if the Peter Chris interview is going to end up in, in that best-ups. Uh, that would I, count as a high watermark, because that was the same day as Mandy Moore. I guess so. I'll, uh, you weren't really planning on doing that until just now, were you? <laughs> no. <laughs> in fact, right. I just ran. What is your criteria? I should say right now, as much crap as we give Scotty for you know being shiftless and lazy and drunk and 
irresponsible. Uh, <laughs> I just point a finger. Like June 2007. I was just going to ask you. One. People don't know some of the things you do around here. So, in a, so when you're not busy making sure the, the the podcast is updated flawlessly every single day, when you're not making sure that the podcast is readily accessible, correctly labeled to everyone, um, you are creating the best of. That, that that's not something that I do because, like all air personalities, I would rather be dipped in kerosene and kicked down a hill on fire uh, than listen to my own show. So. You create the best of. Now, what is your criteria for choosing uh, the best of? Well, I also spend a lot of time eating cheese nips. <laughs> and he really does, too. You see him with a giant box of cheese nips? I have. It's not a laugh line. I'm, I'm happy really... to share them. It's the grossest thing when his face is covered in cheese nips and all of his fingers. fingers. And you're very nice. You're like, oh, also? <laughs> are your fingers, are, are these... Uh, Orange cheese nips are like the, the, no, white, the white cheddar, cheddar. Ones. So your fingers look like you got leprosy? Yes. They're all sloughing away. It's Thank so goodness I wear jeans to work. Jesus. All right. Anyways, what do I do? Uh, Other than when you're not busy with your <laughs> massive consumption of cheese-flavored snack crisps, what is it, how is it that you, uh, how is it that you, you decide what, how do you quantify what's a best of? Well... Thank goodness we have a listener out there who does a Emerson recap yes. on a live journal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love that. Keep it up. Um, I go into there, and it's just a journal of everything we've done. And I can say, oh, that was a great day. This happened, this happened. And uh, Would you like to give a little, just a little sneak preview of what tomorrow's best of might be? What might someone here face? Is it going to be a good one? Tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow's uh, not a best of. It's sort of a decent of. Uh, is it going to yeah. be like that awesome time when you decided to recap the day when um, I was dating that other guy and getting a huge fight <laughs> oh. with you know, God, again, did you play that? Did that, he that, play that? That was random. That, that was not, it wasn't like, it was random. hey, let me, yeah, let me pick this. No, I seriously. <laughs> like, I had a great time in my life. Let's relive it again. Let's play 90 minutes of, best of. <laughs> 90 minutes of Sarah having a pitch black fight with her then boyfriend. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> no, I didn't do it Let's on play that every really. day. I know. So, so what uh, might people uh, be hearing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow, um, I need to. Uh, you don't know. Fill you in <laughs> you just picked later. it randomly. You have no idea. That's right. Here's what I did. I picked it randomly, and I kind of cut and paste out of that guy's live journal so we can follow along with it in here and know what's ha- going to come up and what's happening. But in but terms then of I... actually picking what show you're going to play back, you have no rhyme, no reason. I'm going to, though, for the rest of the week. Okay. For tomorrow, there's no rhyme or reason. It's a pretty decent show. Is one of them going to be a drunk show? It's always a good decent show. Is one of them going to be a drunk show? Oh, heck no. It's got to be. That's what people want to hear. The people want to hear your drunk show, Scotty. I'd you like know it, it's I'd true. I'd like it to just disappear. Would we... Uh... You singing and drinking Tropical Thunder Dog? <laughs> Actually, those were damn good, but I don't ever want one again. If you'd like, we can poll the audience right now and see if they want to hear your drunk show. We should do an Insta sure, poll. Let's do should. an Insta poll right and, now, you know what, if they have other ideas, too, I'm open to listening well, to Well, I mean, to be fair, sure. I do want to play some stuff that people actually want to hear, not just stuff Peter that you're Chris. subjected to. Peter, Chris, and Mandy Moore. That was a good day. Uh-huh. And, and another gal wanted to hear, like, during the first week of you coming back on the air in March of 2007, and I, I don't know how we would be. You should yeah. totally, like, you should do Anna Nicole Smith Day. Yeah. Okay. Oh, with the, with the news guy? With yeah. The, or, okay. Because right. Tim will be here since he wasn't yeah. there on the show. And, or, like, the Britney, or, like, Paris Hilton being thrown back in jail. That day. is true. That was the best day ever. So, yeah. Uh, so, we'll, we'll go and take a couple calls ever. here. And so, what, what is the deal with Jim Roop and Lisa Goddard? What, okay, they Lisa just switched to their normal times, basically. Lisa had, was not in yet. Who am I talking to next and at what time? Lisa and it's before noon because she wasn't in at yet. At some time before noon. Yes. And, and then, then Jim, Jim went to 10? Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, so we have a couple minutes here. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you have a, a particular request uh, for best ofs or if you'd just like to weigh in, uh, we'll get these calls first, though. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hey. This is Jim from North Plains. Hello, sir. I wasn't going to say about the best of, but it hit me while I was listening when Tim was talking about Anna Nicole Smith's Indian, illegitimate Indian child. Oh, God, yeah. Remember, what was that story that Chief Wampum or whatever his name was, the guy? Oh, God, that was funny. When Tim was reading that story, it was the day that Tyler Moody was here from CNN. And uh, Tim was reading that story where Anna Nicole Smith had written a letter like saying, I wish to have your totem pole of love or whatever whatever yeah, she was writing to her, that Indian guy she was dating. Cap. Yeah, I do oh, remember God. that. Okay. Hilarious. Okay, no, that was a great time. Excellent, sir. Okay, well, a real quick, sort of terrifying but not really airline thing. Yeah. I was flying from here to Vancouver on one of the little bitty planes, and you could see the guy flying, the pilot, and there was no co-pilot. <laughs> and, it, and he was good, and you could see him doing all the controls, and I was really getting into it after I got done being nervous. Little bitty plane. It's dark. We had to stop in, like, Birmingham to get gas. When he lands, he leans over to the side, pumps his fist, and goes, Yes! <laughs> Excellent. Thank God we're alive! You know, and I'm thinking... And he looks at me, and he says, best landing I ever had. Oh. And I went, oh, okay. Oh, thank you. But it'd be better if the curtain was shut. I don't want to see the pilot saying, no. yes. No, no, I don't want to see him with his St. Christopher medal up there. Yeah. All right, thank you, hey, sir. Have a, have a good trip. There you go. Thank you, my friend. I almost played today the almost famous plane plane crash scene, oh, or, you know, the so plane good. turbulence scene. I want to hit a man in Dearborn, Illinois, or Dearborn, Michigan, or wherever. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. I was going to say, uh, Scotty's number one criteria for his best of shows seem to be lots of Scotty J. Yeah, except when he's oh, drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the drunk one like disappeared. I do believe I would like to hear Scotty Drunk show, though. Uh, That's one vote for a yes. Actually, the interesting thing is, of course, because I'm always gone by definition, and not that I've been gone a lot, but uh, I don't think I've ever heard this, the best of the Scotty picks because I'm, by definition, not here to hear them. They are Scotty J saturated. Are they really? Are they, <laughs> they're really Scotty heavy? All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, hello. hello. You're on the yes, you're on the air, sir. Hey, I just got off an Alaska Airlines plane, and I've been out of town for a week. And the drunk show would be awesome for all Sarah all day. All right. Okay. That's what we would like to hear. Oh, all Sarah. I thought he said ulcer. So just put together a bunch of, just uh, make it so it's just whatever segments Sarah has. Sarah's responses to my questions. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun. He's just kissing up. No offense. (laughs) Hey, we've seen Sarah. Of course we're kissing up. All right. Thank you. You bet. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Rob. Hey, Hey, I just want to understand, Rick, uh, Scotty's doing his job by somebody else's uh, blog. Yes. Oh, nice job, Scott. <laughs> this is an You're interesting, real proud of yourself there. It's an interesting definition of the phrase, my job. Yeah. So you're, let me understand this. So you're using someone else's accounting of the show, and then even given that, you're just picking randomly. I mean, you have someone doing like a minute-by-minute minute, you know, assessment of the show, and yet you're still just picking randomly. No, uh, the randomness is I'm able to look at the minute-by-minute minute and go, oh, okay. Do you know what random means? <laughs> yeah, you know. Close your eyes and wherever the finger points. You went to college, right? <laughs> Not a real college. No, that's right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, one more, and then uh, we will have speaks with Lisa Goddard. Hi, I got a little breaking news. And then we'll get breaking news. Yes, uh, yes, it is, sir. Excellent. I vote for Tropical Thunderdog. Excellent. See? 
Uncle Steve, you gotta feel the love. Excellent. So do it for Uncle Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you, my friend. Alright, there you go. That sounds a little wrong. Yeah. All do right. it for Uncle Steve. The people wanna hear <laughs> Let Uncle Steve teach you how to kiss. The uh I'll make sure I edit it heavily. Alright. No, there's no editing. Alright. Uh, thank you, Scotty. Alright, thank you. By the way, that John guy who filled in for Tim that day says, WTF, that news guy, huh? My name is John. Damn, I get no respect. I'm telling you, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I'm still and the rest. <laughs> oh, you're the Don Wells I am, of the Rick yeah. Emerson show. And the wheel spins around. Uh, before we go to uh, Lisa Goddard here, let me just... Tim Riley has breaking news. Hello, sir. Okay, damaged goods. Hello, sports fans. Greg Oden will likely be out for the rest of the season after his surgery. He was the uh, big person who was supposed to uh, sell oh. tickets for the Blazers. Well, after he undergoes his knee surgery... It's so extensive that recovery will take between 6 and 12 months, and Odin will be on crutches for up to eight weeks. Money well spent. Should I say who he's I our, met last He's night? our own David Beckham. I was just going to say, we have our own uh, galaxy there. Sarah, who did you sit next to last night? Why, I, in fact, met Greg Odin last night. You said he was uh, just a huge, looked like a big praise He was mantis. the biggest man I have ever seen in my life. Uh, Raul was there with me, and he shook his hand. And it literally disappeared. Just was swallowed up by Greg's hand. Huge. Like he's like seven. What seven one? Am I making? Am I saying it too big? Am I saying he's bigger than he is? How tall is he? I've never met the fellow. He's but he's some freakish. I mean, even by basketball standards. He was sitting in this chair, and his legs were like the size of other people's like bodies. Like when he was sitting, his knees were sitting. Like it was. That's got to suck in a way. I mean, I know he's rich and he's famous and he's whatever. But I mean, uncomfortable. I mean, you got everything special made. You got to get nothing fits. You got no car work. For you, I mean that's you know. Well, real quickly, we'll get back to it here in a few. We'll, get, we'll talk to Lisa Goddard in just a moment. But I so you went to a, a party last night. So you met Greg Oden, and then uh, DJ AM was there. Yeah, who was? I like how you're all people who knows people. It was pretty cool actually. We went. Um, it's all Brad the car guy. There aren't yeah. any DJs on AM anymore. Not an AM DJ. Oh, a man DJ. named DJ AM. <laughs> who he's dated all these little Hollywood starlets, and nobody really knows why. It's because he is one of the most talented people I have ever seen. I've never seen him live. I've only oh seen him on TV. Oh my God! What it was he amazing. He uh, he plays, uh, he plays, plays phonographs. He works two phonographs at once. But he's incorporating like John Denver and ABBA, and then like Beyonce, and just the, just the randomest stuff that you wouldn't think would go together. Doesn't that damage the, the needles? <laughs> it could. Well, we one had this little so. laptop thing, and then it was all like digital and stuff. It was very cool. It was so. And then Greg Oden was there. Did he say, "Hey, by the way, I can't play for a year"? No, Bam. I mean, that was that was the whisperings around. The, oh, oh he really? From here did to, he seem down? He did. He was sitting by himself and looked a little lonely. I felt bad for him. Uh, but then you should again, have offered to. You should have offered to keep him company. No, but you could tell he's totally new fame guy because he was sitting there and he was. It was like really dark in there, but he was wearing these huge like. Well, he's only like twelve years old. It's got to be a little freaky. You know, I mean, his first introduction is he's standing in the middle of Pioneer Courthouse Square with thousands of white people bowing in front of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing is just a little weird. That is weird. It's like that day that I, you know, that night that I met Aaron Sorkin, and I met him like three hours after the cancellation of Studio 60. Oh. Hi, I love your work. And he... Hi. Maybe yeah. your AM DJ friend could play You'll Never Walk Alone. <laughs> You'll never limp alone. Uh, oh, and I saw Byron. I saw Byron there, and he's really? going to tell you hi. Did he give you an ass pat for no, me? No, he licked my face and told me to pass that along to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that won't be happening. What type of gathering was this? It was some, I don't know, there was a red carpet and stuff. I, it was something I did not belong. It was oh, very cool. It was the opening of a carpeting store. Well, I don't leave the house. Uh, all right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the hill. 
CNN radio correspondent of the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard, I hope. Hello. Hello, hello. Ah, it is you. I was unclear about whether it would be you or not. It, it is me. Uh, Laura was sort of moving things around uh, just randomly as though they Wishing, were... Wishing, juggling, bobbling. Yeah, bobbing and weaving. Was she making that? That's my favorite. You know, I'm going to sound like such a girl, but honestly, that's my favorite um, referee signal in the NFL. When someone actually, when they declare it an incomplete pass because the the uh, receiver was not able to actually, there was not a lack of control of the ball. But I actually called the bobbly bobbly because the ref does the up and down with the hands. I think, by the way, all the guys in the audience who already love you because of your nerd-like uh, fixation on grammar and footloose will now love you even more because you're talking about, quote, your favorite hand sign that reps use in the NFL. It is my favorite, bobbly bobbly. Listen, I can... Lack of control. Listen, you can hear the sounds of stalking uh, letters being written right now. <laughs> Dear Lisa, I have been looking in your window for the past few nights, and I find you to be a charming young lady. Uh, all right. So, uh, well, there you go. So if you were listening on, uh, hold on, you just heard the various happenings around the... How about uh, it, Sarah? Rock on. I, li- I like you on the red carpet. Now, Sarah's people who knows people. She's uh, She is really... Our, uh, any any place interesting, we only I'm, get there because of Sarah. I'm people who know people who know people. I don't really know any people. So, uh, anyway. Well, it's still one step closer than most of us. That's great. Um, so, uh, and then somebody has just a, a little bit of business here, Scotty. Somebody has requested that we, uh, for the best of, that we play um, the Vanilla Ice uh, interview and then immediately followed by all of Scotty's drunken interview clips from after the Vanilla Ice show, Scotty. <laughs> so, hey, Lisa, have you heard Drunk Scotty? I have not. I, I don't know that I have. I think I would know, but I, I don't know that I have. Well, you know what? It's going to be a while before we talk. I might as well just send you away with a smile on your face. Let's see. Should we play, uh, Sarah, should we play her some drunk Scotty from the day he was drunk in the studio on Fortified Wine or from the the night that he was drunk after Vanilla Ice? Vanilla Ice. All right. Hold on. Let me, uh, let's see. Scotty drunk? Okay. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Um... Scotty love ice, Scotty parking lot, Scotty feel his ice. Okay, this is, I don't, let's see, let me see if I can find one. This is, I believe, the first time, this is the this is the first of the two clips. Um, so we had Vanilla Ice, we presented Vanilla Ice uh, performing live uh, earlier this year in July. And so Scotty was well into his cups, as they say. Okay. And we had a little handheld audio recorder, and afterwards we were getting uh, thoughts from, let's see if I can... Um, having seen the legend... Okay. So should I play the observations about Vanilla Ice, or should I play the observations about the females in attendance, Sarah? Or is that going to be off-putting? The females... Okay, so what I'm about to play is, um, this is Scotty J uh, being interviewed after the Vanilla Ice show and talking about um, his assessment of some of the women who were present at the venue. Uh, so what you are about to hear is Scotty J at about 1 in the morning, having had many, 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 many servings of Crown Royal. Why do you, you want Vanilla Ice to be your brother? Oh, and this is, and by the way, yeah, this starts off... This is me following up on a weird statement he had made to me about, I want Vanilla Ice to be brothers with me. Uh, so that's what he's responding to here. Why do you, you want Vanilla Ice to be your brother? Vanilla's joy, this guy is joy, everything. Me? Yeah. Skyjay, Vanilla Ice, my brother? <laughs> What'd you think of the women, though? At least the women were hot. Uh, hell yes. Hell yeah. What were your thoughts on the women at Outlaws? <laughs> the women at Outlaws tonight were unfreaking believable. <laughs> what was hot about them? <laughs> Ass. 
<laughs> Anything else or just the ass? Tops. <laughs> what kind of women do you like? What do you find attractive in a woman? Boobs. <laughs> what would your message be to the women at Outlaws tonight? If you had one thing to say to them. Scotty J. And you. Tonight. Is there one girl in particular you would send that out to? No, it's a girl. I have the vibe. They know who I am. What's the one? They know who you are. Did you introduce yourself? <laughs> I introduced myself to about um, a thirty woman tonight. What was the general reaction? I hate you. Oh no! Did you go back and try again? Nope. Nope. Do you make a positive impression on any women? Nope. It's all in the number scheme. So, uh, there you go. There's a little bit oh of Oh, my goodness. That, I mean, was he about to go to the hospital? I mean, that is, <laughs> that is blitzed beyond recognition. Really, it, it is true. Um, and, you know, he's he's a pretty much a heavyweight at this point, I mean, it, it, drinking-wise. He's, uh, wow. he's not a neophyte when it comes to alcoholic consumption. Uh, uh, I was worried it was going to be some sort of like he was trying to sound drunk, kind of almost a Rosie O'Donnell playing, uh, you know, mentally disabled. You mean that? That the uh, yeah the uh, yeah. No, we have that too. But no, that's that's the that's the real deal. That's the actual Scotty. Hundred percent. We uh, yeah. There's some time when we have uh, when we have more time. There's he. There's a whole other day uh, when he was. Uh, it, I forget what the occasion was. Oh, it was the week of his birthday. It was his birthday. He was turning 41, and so we, um, we, and there, that sort of um, is concomitant with the fact that they are trying to. Um, it, it, it was a sort of a confluence of that and the fact that they're trying to ban fortified wine from a lot of places around Portland. What? So, wow. Okay. So we decided that for Scotty's birthday we would have a fortified wine tasting for him, <laughs> um, and he consumed almost an entire bottle of Night Train. Uh, wow. And almost an entire bottle of Mad Dog. Wow. And about half a bottle of Thunderbird. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so that was uh, that was yeah, an interesting I, day. So with uh, at some point, we'll play you those. I don't want to... It was revealing on his thoughts about women, however. <laughs> well, he's a... That interview. I, I will say this, that uh, Scotty J is a man who knows... He knows what he wants. How are your thoughts on the women? What he wants. The top and the bottom. The women was tonight were... Un-freaking-believable. What was hot about him? Ass. And the best part is that Herman Munster wheeze that comes out of him afterwards. <laughs> yeah, the, the Fred Gwynn asthmatic <laughs> laugh. Oh, uh, Fred Gwynn. Uh, all right. So there, see, so if at any point during the next few days, a week, or whatever, you just feel down about life, you just think back on that, and it'll put a smile right on your countenance. Okay, this is an awkward segue, but it really, it really was going to be a natural segue. I really was wondering, you know, imagine what do you think George Bush was like when he was drunk? I mean, you know, oh. he's off the sauce now, but uh, you know, I, he was, I, he was I moments. Who, where did I hear a story? I think it was on, I may be wrong about this, but I do believe it was on Dinner for uh, Dinner for Five, and I don't know if you watched that show, it's a show on on IFC, on the Independent Film Channel, Okay. Uh, where, and it's hosted by John Favreau of Swingers fame, uh, where they just get five guys who work in TV or film, five people anyway, five men or women, who just work in movies or TV, and they just, they have drinks and dinner and wine and dessert at a restaurant somewhere, and they film the whole conversation, and they edit it down to about half an hour. And it's always really great, because it'll be like... Rob Zombie 
and like Rob Lowe and John Favreau and like somebody from Law and Order and then like Barbara Billingsley from Leave It to Beaver, you know, right. and then they're all just having dinner together. Uh, and there was somebody who I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it may have been the guy whose name escapes me right now who created Deadwood on HBO, who had been a fraternity brother of George Bush, of George W. Bush. No, um, well, you're kidding me. I didn't know. Really? I, I may be wrong about the specifics, but I was watching Dinner for Five. I'm positive it was Dinner for Five. And there was a guy, and I think it was the guy who created Deadwood, and he was also a staff writer on NYPD Blue, and I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but he was a fraternity brother of George W. Bush. And he told some pretty amusing stories. He said that, he said that uh, the way he described George W. Bush was just that he was a prankster. Just said that he had a very, how did he charitably describe it? A somewhat childlike, impish sense of humor. Oh. <laughs> and, I, you know, the thing is, all kidding aside, when you look at George W. Bush and you picture him even stone-cold sober, impish is a word that does come to mind somehow. And and that works with, what is the show now, Little Bu Lil Bush? Yeah, yes, li yeah, Lil. They, they were going with that. So, I mean, I can I can really see that. Um, although I do have to be honest, I do see a lot of... Uh, I do see a lot of vomit-filled phone booths in George W. Bush's past. I mean, if I really close my eyes and I try to picture it. I picture a lot of ruined shoes. I mean, that's just, just my theory about this. I, I don't really know that that's the case. I think it's possible. Um, but, okay. Well, yeah, so to complete the segue, the president's coming, coming onto your television set tonight. Just a mere uh, eight, what is it, six hours from now? No, sure, I was, five hours. From... I was trying to track down my excitement about that, but I seem to have left it in the trunk I know, I, I do. I feel like I've got to force the square peg round hole. Oh, no, it's it's not that. It's, it has nothing to do with his shifting from Scotty drunk to George W. Bush. It's just that I, this is, he, he, it's just, he, I'm not trying to downplay it, but he's going to be recapping kind of the stuff we've already been talking about. It's this true. is the, the drawdown or the, uh, the whatever. Now, it's, this is the, the recommendation of Petraeus, but of course, that Bush is under no... He ultimately is the guy who decides whether or not he's going to go with this, right, or whether he follows it or on what timetable it's followed, right? Um, it's actually the, the president is the one who will decide everything. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, right. So Petraeus gives the recommendations, and then yes. Bush weighs it, and then either goes forward or doesn't. And is he, is he going to say tonight that, well, that makes perfect sense. We're going to get these 30,000 30, guys out of there? That's what he's saying, and he's trying to keep pretty much every option open to him while saying, yes, I do want to, I do think we can very likely bring out these 30,000 troops, but he's also saying that that's, that depends on the conditions on the ground. And so you know, he's not giving a, an absolute time frame, but saying he thinks that likely that can happen by next summer, that these 30,000 would go. He may talk more specifically about um, a Marine unit, for example, that Petraeus is recommending could leave this year. There may be a couple of Marine units. We'll see what the president says, if he gives any specifics or not. So far, we haven't had any specifics from the president. This, this 30,000 troop thing is sort of weird to me, though, just politically speaking, because it seems like... It... Not that I am not in favor of bringing home 30,000 troops. I, 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 I think most people are, and I think I speak for most of us, certainly in the show, when I say we think that's a, a good place to start, and uh, it, it, we ought to just kind of roll on in that direction. But I, it does seem to me like, for the people who think the war ought to just be drawn to a close right now, uh, 30,000 is sort of frustrating in a way because it seems tokenistic and it doesn't seem like enough, but it does seem like for the remaining people in, on George Bush's side of the line who feel that the war's a great idea, this is this just sort of seems like he's like he's kowtowing, like he's like he's bowing down to to the, to the left or the people who are opposed to the war. In a weird way, bringing home thirty thousand people seems like the worst of all possible solutions politically because it's going to please nobody. 
Well, I think that if he said he was not doing anything, if he said I'm, I'm going to keep things exactly as they are uh, for until I until I leave the office, I don't know that that's politically feasible. I think then you would see more votes in Congress for some for forcing some kind of change before then. So he he does have to straddle that political position. He needs he needs to have a position uh, that will sort of thread the needle enough that 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 won't piss off too many Republicans in uh, in Congress and that, that, that he will be able to keep them, if tentatively, on his side. If he were to say we're going to keep things exactly as they are right now, uh, I think he would lose too many votes in Congress. Let me ask you a question that may seem like it's however, a little... However, oh, in, yeah. to add that, Democrats say that is what he's doing, though. They say he's keeping things pretty much the same until for 10 months. And Which is an interesting thing. It's this this drawdown is a little interesting, and I guess maybe he's doing the best he can. He's just thread that it is a tough road to hoe because I think he believes and has been repeatedly told by people around him that his single greatest asset is this sort of steel backbone. You know that he doesn't change his mind and he mm. he goes on ahead and he, he plows forward. So it's got to be a little bit of a bitter pill for him to swallow that he's got to draw down even just the, 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 some of these surge troops because I think it's been repeatedly pounded into that guy that his greatest single political asset is his you know his stubbornness however you want to phrase that um, I think actually he he's he planned for the surge to be temporary so I could see him saying to himself this is exactly what I planned and that's exactly what we're doing let me ask you no change from what he suggested from the beginning of the surge a question that's a little bit out of left field and and I I don't mean to I mean this may be a thing that you, yeah, I don't know, might not even be able to speculate on, but I, do you think, because there's so much um, clamor uh, among certain sections of, of America and certainly in, the, you know, certain of our leaders, Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid come to mind, where there's so much uh, just virulent opposition to George W. Bush and everything he does and his, you know, there's so much of this, this uproar about how he's, you know, led us into this irresponsible situation, whatever, regardless of what one thinks about the truth of that statement, do you think that if how do I put this? Do you think that if this uh, war were to cease or to or to to draw down to to really a non-issue, if we were to sort of pack up and get out of there to the extent that it really wasn't on the radar much anymore, do you think that then you would start to see a greater antagonism directly toward the president? And I'm not going to use the word impeachment, but you do hear so many people in, in Congress and a little bit on the, the fringe left talk about how you know there's got to be something done. He's got to be held accountable. He's got to be uh, whatever. Do you think that if this was not on the table, uh, that that would be happening right now, that there would be would be some feet being held to the fire right now? Absolutely. I think that's what the president and the White House, the, and they know that, you know, it's hard to say, you know, which foot is leading the dance here. If the president, uh, these decisions all sort of fall in line in terms of we actually cannot keep our, we don't have the strength to keep troops uh, at this level past next summer. So that's A. And, and, and then B, right now, polls are, are against keeping this level of troops uh, really at any point forward, and most people say now we need to start drawing down, not waiting until next summer. We need to do it now. And in that respect, you could see the president saying, well, I'm sticking to my guns like I usually do. I know polls say this, but I'm still going to keep a lot of these troops there until next summer, and that's when they can go. But but these these sort of currents are overlapping in this summer time frame. What was going to be interesting, I think, is if in March, which is the next time that General Petraeus says, all right, we're going to take a look and see how many troops we can draw down and when, that's going to be our next uh, sort of horizon view will come in March. And if in March 
they they can't really spell out a firm drawdown, even a long a long term plan saying we think it'll be five years, we think it'll be two years, whatever. Um, if it if it continues to be this sort of a well, we'll take a few thousand troops out here and there. I think the Republicans will have a huge problem in November uh, because Iraq will still be such a major issue and, and it, will, it could feel unresolved. And I'm, I'm certainly not going to say that, that George Bush is continuing conflict to insulate himself from impeachment. I would, I would not say that, but I will say uh, that I will say that as long as the hostilities are going on, it does make it very uh, extremely unlikely. It makes it just totally unfeasible for any faction that really wanted again to just put a full court press on him to do it. You just can't. You just can't do that on an active commander in chief. And so it does have that ancillary effect of forming a firewall between him and any of those proceedings. I mean, that just seems that seems like the way the way of the of the landscape there. Well, on that note, what I'm interested in hearing tonight, I'm interested to hear. If the president, again, as he has repeatedly, I think in, in almost every, if not every, Iraq speech I've heard him give, uh, if he, how much, if at all, he refers to September 11th. I, I almost feel that this White House, they see September 11th as uh, really the core of their philosophy and, and sort of a driving force in what they do, and they've used it in all these speeches, but I think that it really... Uh, hits American tongues sour. You know, I think that, that it really reminds people of how this war started right. and that really that there, there really has been no proof of weapons of mass destruction, no connection between Saddam Hussein and al-Qaeda. And I, I think of what would be interesting, I think, I think what this president should think about doing is talking very frankly and saying, listen, I made some mistakes in judgment early on in this war, and I'm going to admit that to you now, and but we're here, and this is what I think we're going to do. And he sort of danced around that, but he's never really said what what the elephant in the room, what everybody thinks whenever he brings up September 11th and Iraq in the same sentence. So right. it'll be interesting to me tonight to see if he stays with that game plan or not. Uh, real quickly, I know that John Edwards has done this kind of savvy thing. I don't know that it's unprecedented. Maybe it is. A buying two minutes Im- immediately after uh, Bush's yes. speech. You're going to Bush speak, and then John Edwards is going to pop right up on the television with 120 seconds that he bought and paid for to, uh, I guess, rebut uh, Bush or, or to make his own... It will actually be Bush, and then the official Democratic response, which is from Rhode Island Senator Jack Reed, and then after Jack Reed, I think that's when John Edwards' two minutes will be on. And then in addition to that, if you miss that, John Edwards. John Edwards will also be on Larry King Live at CNN. And if you miss that, uh, I think I'm interviewing. I'm, in, I'm set up to interview John Edwards. Really? Yes. Yeah. Do a one-on-one with him. I think right before he goes on Larry King Live. Okay. So uh, it's going to be a long time from from then till I'm back. But I was sure to ask you about that. Is this? And is this? Is this? I'm not going to say it's his make or break moment, but it certainly seems like this is that's the this getting two minutes after Bush speaks to be on television, and then the Larry King one-two punch. That certainly seems like the throwing down the gauntlet to get to break away. From the pack. He is, that's right, exactly. He is trying to make his move uh, from, what is it, the Peloton? Am I getting that right? From the, from the Tour de France? Anyway, really, I have no idea. He's making, he's making, I'm sorry I mangled that, but he's making his move. I, I, first of all, I love coverage of the Tour de France. I should know that. But, uh, yeah, he's making his move, he, he, and he needs to. This is, this is the time to do it. All right. Uh, as always, it is a pleasure. Uh, I will not be speaking with you until at least Monday the 24th. Uh, so we have a great time. I'm so psyched for both of you. Until then, enjoy. Uh, try, not, try not to be mugged. Uh, and uh, try not to stress out too much about your impending nuptials. So, uh, okay, yeah, no worries there. I would like to leave you just that there's this one tiny thought, Lisa, before we go. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the women at that loss? <laughs> the women at that loss tonight were 
Unfreaking-believable. What was hot about him? Ass. All right, Lisa Goddard, enjoy your uh, weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you uh, very, very soon. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa Goddard on the Hill. Fantastic. All right. Excellent. Well, all right, then. She sounded genuinely concerned about Scotty J. <laughs> well, the fact that she immediately went to, was he on the way to the hospital? So, uh, there you go. All right. That is pretty hilarious. It, it really... I, I don't think I know anybody who sounds like that when they're drunk. No, because, well, and, and as she noted, she worried that he was going to be trying to sound drunk. Sort of an act, like we've had many people. You maybe after the uh, the fortified wine show, um, we had people say, you know, was Scotty really acting? Was he pretending to be drunk? And you were, I mean, you know, we're, we were all here, we're witnesses. We are not the kooky, uh, you know, we're not the we're not the, we're not the Phil Hendry show. It's not a whole lot of. But now he's going to pretend to be drunk. I mean, that really was that really was the real deal. That is. That is Scotty. I know. I can't believe people actually think he's a hired actor sometimes. Yes. That's the greatest thing. I suppose, depending on who you are. Uh, all right, we should break here. Tim Riley around the corner uh, with the noon news hour. Later on, CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, top All five. I'm ready to go. I'm really, if I'd had more time, I would have edited like a plane crash into this. I hate to wake you up sort of a. Have you ever seen Final Destination? No. Oh. But the dawn is breaking. That, well, it was awful. The movie plays right before a group load of kids fly to Paris, get on a plane. Is this the John Denver version or the Peter Paul and Mary version? This is John Denver, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's the Peter, Paul, and Mary version, but I think that's Mary who sings on the Peter, Paul, and Mary version. Right. Is this song about Vietnam? Tim, do you know if this song's about Vietnam? I don't think so. I always thought it was for some reason. I always thought it was like a guy going to war. Maybe not. Maybe that's just me retro-conning or retconning that in my head. All right. Hey, back after this, it's the the best part in the song is when he's saying, wait for me, even as he's like admitting that he banged a bunch of other women. All right. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Continues next. Every song I sing, I'll sing for you. When I come back, I'll bring your wedding ring. So kiss me and smile to me. Tell me that you'll wait for me. Emerson show right here on KCMD Portland. Why, hello. 503-733-2970. This is a song by Aerosmith. This song is the best title of any song in the Aerosmith catalog. Even better than Big Ten Inch Record. The song is called Lord of the Thighs. Which does sound like a porn film, doesn't it? Lord of the Thighs, except to be a bunch of hot girls, like stranded on an island together. And they wouldn't be fighting over the conch. Oh, no. They'd... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah! So I roll. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, sports fans, it's a terrible day. We're about to get our own David Beckham because Greg Oden will be out for the season after he has his surgery. He underwent exploratory knee surgery. And doctors said it revealed cartilage damage. Let's explore new ways to lose money. They said that the damage was not large, although it's going to take between 6 and 12 months for him to heal. Well, I would say that that would be quite large. I would say that any problem inside that guy's body is a large problem. How much should we pay for him? I'm not sure. Do we know? This is a time when I could really use Chris Needham. I know that we're not going to be able to get him today. We had a miscommunication earlier, and we're not going to be able to speak with him until I I get back from me now. Um, I guess there's probably any, like, 5 billion guys in the audience who could probably... uh, Hey, if somebody knows uh, facts about Greg, I, all I know is this. He's huge and expensive, and now he can't do anything. Yeah. So that sucks. Well, what are you going to do? So uh, he's going to be out. He's going to be on crutches for like uh, oh, eight months. Boy, that just... Or eight weeks. Portland, and this was... Because we got first pick. So I was just going to say, this deal. really is one of those times when I wish I knew more about sports. And regardless of what people might think, I don't try to deliberately remain ignorant about sports. It's just not a thing that I am necessarily a fan of, and so I don't really pursue it like in my free time. I only know about sports when, when it becomes sort of big enough that it enters the popular culture. Um, but um, but that's the deal. Like, Raul will probably know this, but I mean, that was the big deal, right? Is that this was the first time in like forever yeah. that we had a first draft pick. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's useless. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, come on! This is just, and this is the, this is the thing that I can say. It's the Portland curse. It really is, and that's how long until they start calling it that, or are they calling it in the article? No, I made that up. Okay, Tim Riley. Wait, hold on. Do I have a? Uh, wait, let me. This, the, the, that really does. Uh, that really does call for the, for this particular. Uh, this particular. It's not really a joke. Uh, as no. such, but this joke copyright 2007 Rick Emerson show. Uh, because correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the last time that we got the first round draft pick the time that we decided not to go for Michael Jordan? Isn't that the deal? That's why the Greg Oden uh, pick. I look at Tim, who just shrugs and looks away. Don't call on me. Um, they I, didn't keep me when they changed the format to sports. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um. Anywho, uh, so yeah, we're not the. We're not necessarily conversing uh, in the language of uh, sports-minded people. No, not 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 necessarily. I uh, maybe we could ask uh, somebody over at the fan. This is my new face. I had a facelift. Yes. And so did maybe Shannon. big suit. And by the way, you look great. You look gorgeous. Yeah. Like a hot Swedish boy. <laughs> I beg your pardon. You're like a hot Swedish boy. You're like 14 years old. It's it's a gorgeous. I, I didn't. Yeah. Maybe I, she called the big soup. I. Uh, so, but I think the last time we had the first round draft pick, we said, well, we could pick Michael Jordan and we could pick, you know, like, like, Faley McLuse. And we went with Faley McLuse, whoever. And then he sucked. And I think he actually injured himself like the first day. I think like getting off the plane, he fell into the tarmac and shattered all his bones and couldn't play. Uh, so we got rid of him. Uh, and then so this last time, there was all of this celebration and all of this, we're going to reverse the curse. And so we picked Greg Oden, who, I mean... There you go. Not going to play it for a year. Well, maybe we can have a movie filmed here. That'll pick up everyone's spirits. That usually <laughs> works well. Bandits 2 can be filmed here. Film Body of Evidence, The Next Generation. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Let me just... Let's that just... was fun while it lasted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really not... I'm just saying, like, what do you... What can you do? 
It really I don't think Raul knows um, that yet either. He was so excited. Really? Last Let's night. call and tell him. Can we wake him up and tell him? I think he might be at work. Do you have his cell phone? Can we call and break the news to him live on the air, please? Please. Oh, it's a $10 million deal, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's great. Okay, well, if he's sleeping, he won't answer the phone. All right, hang on. Is this a deal that includes money back if not delighted? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Pardon me, Mr. Odin. We are not delighted with the fact that you can't play for a year. Oh. How about this? This is another guy. Says, you, do you want me to call? Because I'm calling right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about all these people who spent a lot of dollars to see this guy, and now it's just going to be another sad season? Signed, ha, ha, ha. All right. Hmm. What are the odds that he's... Is he at work? He might have to work. It depends on how late he has to work. Will he answer if he's if he's asleep? Will he pick it up? No. If, especially if it's a phone number he doesn't recognize. Oh, well, this is sad. Can we just leave it on his voicemail? Yes. Okay. Great. This is Chris. Uh, sorry, Mr. Carl. Oh, leave me a message and I'll call you back. <laughs> to leave a callback number, press 5. This is for your friend Raul. Yes. Hello. We're looking for your friend Raul. This is uh, the Rick Emerson radio program. We thought you'd like to hear uh, this little bit of uh, breaking news directly from the CBS radio. This is for you, Raul. Take it away, Tim. Well, the Blazers have just learned that Greg Oden will more than likely be out for the rest of the season. Oh. This after he underwent exploratory knee surgery and doctors revealed cartilage damage to the rookie's right knee. I'm sure he'll be back any minute now to play. What not that right, Tim? It'll take between 6 and 12 months to recover. He'll be on the crutches for 8 weeks. He will not be playing the game of basketball as he was paid to do. Maybe they're just saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah they're just saying that. But it'll be like a success story. They're sandbagging. Yes, they're, yes, they're rope-a-doping it. Uh, five million this year, six million next year, seven, then twenty plus. Oh. Oh, and some endorsements for orthopedic shoes or whatever. Mattresses. All right. Hey. Uh. All right. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a great day. All right. Fantastic. Okay. I was like, spread the good word whenever possible. All right. Well, what can you do? Nothing. No. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> Can't do a thing about it. <laughs> Maybe this should be a reality show where they just they just film a bunch of sad Portlanders as they trudge to see the Blazers lose another game. Oh, that's Aww. wonderful. Uh, more right. sports. When mascots attack, the University of Oregon's duck mascot has been suspended after beating the baby Jesus out of uh, Houston's cougar mascot. Beating the baby Jesus out uh, of... Yes, it happened during a football game between the two schools. And now... The video is online, so if you want to see it, uh, go to my blog page. It's on there. So it's the, it's the Oregon Duck mascot beating the Houston Cougar. Now was it was the uh, was the duck provoked? No, apparently the duck started it. You're, I'm sorry, you're on with the duck started the whole thing. The university called the fight irresponsible, <laughs> and it well, violates. Of course, it's men in foam suits. It is dressed like giant woodland creatures. It violates the athletic department's code of conduct. Is there a mascatorial code of conduct? Yes. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, so you can see it being beat up on my uh, yeah. Really? I have to go right now. Hold on, let me let me check right now. I don't know uh, how to get there though. <laughs> really? It's it there's a web there's a URL. A no, URL. there is a URL. All right, but it's not an easy one to remember. You have um, to go to the Rick Emerson show site. Did I tell you that that uh, that that, that uh, what the hell is it? TRL is now called URL. Y-O-U? That's ridiculous. Yes, retarded. 
Y-O-U-R-L. All right. Let's see here. They're really, you know, we ought to be patenting that Portland curse phrase right now. I wonder, and let look, I don't mean to sound like I'm just beating up on the, on the Blazers. I'm just saying it, as Sam Kinison once said, you, you know, you have to either laugh or cry. And you just can't cry, so you're left with no choice but to laugh. Because, really, uh, are you, here's a dumb question. Maybe somebody knows this. Are you allowed, like, if you bought season tickets to see this guy play, um, are you able to turn them back in and get your money back? Can you refund them? Scalp them? Scalp them. Yeah, I'm sure that'll really work. Um, are you, uh, I mean, are you allowed to, first of all, how much is a good season ticket to cost the, to see the Blazers cost? Does anybody know? Oh, I don't know. This is, man, we're really out of our, we really need a go-to sports guy here. Because a sports person might know. Sir, do we know, is there anybody, like, wandering by in the hall? Scotty, are you a sports enthusiast? Do you know about the game of basketball? I really just... All right. Oh, really? Oh, this is uh, this is John, our newsman for a day. Uh, hello, sir. Well, you know, the, the the good news on this is if uh, if we suck for another year, maybe we'll have a shot at the first draft pick next year too. Now, is it? Did they determine it? Did they determine it by your record? Uh, they determine it by the record, but then uh, when it gets down to the last, I believe it's the last eight, or I mean, the first eight picks, um, then they do a lottery where it's like, okay, if you had the absolute worst, then you have like a. 35% chance of getting the first pick, but they do it by ping-pong balls. How much is a good season ticket to cost uh, to see the Blazers cost? Um, tickets, with season tickets, you can get a, a pretty good down in the lower uh, uh, section uh, for like about, I think season tickets are probably in the 90s. Um, you know, individual tickets would be like $127 a piece. But I mean, but okay, but I mean, to, like to see this guy, like how, because a season ticket is, you'll have to forgive me again because I just, I know jack about sports. You got, you got 40, 41 games. 41 uh, games. So if somebody was like, I'm going to go see that guy whenever he plays, is that a, is a season ticket literally where you pay a huge amount and you get to go see every game or do you still have to buy the tickets one by one? Uh, no, you, uh, you get them, they send them out to you in a big old stack at the beginning All of the right. season. How much does that cost? Uh, well, I would say 41 home games at uh, $100 a seat, just on a round number. That's $8,000. That yeah, that's, that's eight, yeah, $8,200 for a so, pair of uh, tickets. Are you, you're, are you able to, to, to get your money back to get a... To, like... <laughs> <laughs> Buyer I'm, beware. I'm sorry, I mean, sir. We don't guarantee who's going to be playing. Oh, we never said you'd be paying to watch them win, sir. It's the journey, my friend, not well, the no, destination. Here, have, a, have a hot dog. They're only $17 a piece. Have a monster beer for $14. <laughs> Jesus. So I wonder, and see, now my mind is doing the math. I wonder how many season ticket holders there are at eight grand a pop. Oh, so, and those are, those are not the best tickets. By, you know, you can get up Jesus. into a couple hundred dollars a seat when you get oh. down towards the court, or you can get up to, uh, you know, the uh, the $10 seats way up at the ceiling. Uh, I Did, wonder. Did they ever fill that auditorium? Well, they uh, would have. Well, they did at the uh, back when. Uh, let's see, we didn't. Nineteen seventy-eight. No, 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 because it wasn't. That was the Coliseum. The Coliseum had like for the longest streak of sold-out things, and they had like fourteen thousand people in there. And then they built the uh, uh, Rose Quarter, or Rose Garden, uh, which had like twenty thousand, give or take. Um, and they uh, somehow or another broke that snap of selling out tickets all the time. Jesus, that is really just unreal. All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Yep, bye. There you go. That's John, newsman for a day. Then they put that, that uh, black material over the unsaddened seats, so you can't tell the sections are there anyway. Totally. Did you see that? Um, God, did you see on Drudge, that baseball game? God, where was it? Um, This guy says, I have six throw uh, tickets. They are $97 a ticket. Wow. Um, let me, uh, let Does me... that include parking? Does this include the uh, the foam hand, sir? 
Let me, uh, you know, I really got to get my bookmarks down here updated. Drudge Report. I want to find out where this game was. There was this great baseball game. You go to DrudgeReport.com. I think the picture's still up. Uh, it was, let's see, here we go. Uh, it's at Breitbart. I am, look, there's the greatest photograph at Drudge uh, on the lower left-hand side of a baseball game which was held at... It's coming up here. The actual story is in the Washington Post. Um, the Washington National, Nationals, I'm sorry, Washington Nationals playing the Florida Marlins. Yesterday, well, the Nationals, I believe, were supposed to be the ball team that they try to get here. Really? I think Washington City. Okay. Yeah. Really? I implore you. I don't care if you don't care about sports at all. I don't care. Where do if you, I find this again? Go to drudgereport.com, right, lower right. left-hand corner. I don't care if you if you just you care dick about sports. Go and look at this picture of a, this is, you know, this is a lower left-hand corner. I mean, this, oh. is, this is Major League Baseball. They held a game and nobody cares. Look at that. There's no one in the stands. And when I say no one, I'm not speaking euphemistically or in an exaggerative sense. There's no one there. I mean, the game is happening. And the caption actually says, Dolphin Stadium, all but deserted. It was so sad, said the Nationals manager, Matty Atka. <laughs> That's his actual quote. It was so sad. And then they just show this photograph of Dolphin Stadium, which I believe holds 12,000 people. Didn't they just build this? Because yes. this was the team that Portland was trying to get. Yeah. And they got turned down for Washington. Yeah. So they're showing this stadium, this shot from the back bleachers, all the way down to the diamond where the game is happening, and there is, quite literally, you can see no one in attendance. Players seem both exhausted and exasperated by their fruitless performance that barely anyone was there to see. I mean, they, yeah, A, they sucked, and B, like... If a team sucks and there's no one there to boo, doesn't it really happen? It's supposed to seat 75,000 fans. Are you kidding me? That's what it says. 75,000? Mm-hmm. There's no one there. No. And I keep saying no one there, and people keep thinking I'm speaking figuratively. It was a long day, said one. <laughs> it was so friggin' hot and miserable, too. <laughs> I don't see a single person in this. All right. Well, there you go. So go to DrudgeReport.com and look at that photograph. All right. Oh, wait. These are... Uh... Oh, by the way, let me just say, Tim, I just went to your blog. That video is genius. Yes, it is. Go to, uh, it's Tim, do you want me to give the URL, or do you want sure, me to go send ahead. it to my site? I'll send it to yours. Go to rickemerson.com and look for the Tim Riley, uh, Tim Riley's Press Club link. This uh, video of the Oregon Duck and the Houston Cougar. Yeah. Oh, and of course, it's set to Eye of the Tiger. Well done. This is great. This duck and the and the the cougar are just beating the snot out of each other. As it should be. And now the duck is actually throwing the cougar on the ground on the turf and is body slamming him and it's like driving his duck elbow into the cougar's neck. Now if they put this thing That's wonderful. on I the love field this of this national stadium where nobody attended this baseball game, they really? might attract a crowd. I'd pay to see this. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, this is the best country. And that's college. I, I really do. This, I, I just, I love everything about this. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, where was that baseball game at? Uh, it was. Let me uh, let's see if I have. It was I National the, Stadium in Washington. Washington. National Stadium. I closed the story. I believe it was National Stadium, which apparently they've just built. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I love this Stadium in Miami. I'm sorry. Baseball in Portland. I'm sorry. It's Dolphin Stadium in uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Then the reason the stands are uh, empty is because if it was an afternoon game, the uh, early bird special at the buffet is going on. <laughs> we don't want to miss out on the cornbread. Uh, yeah, remember, was it Tim? Was it an afternoon game? It was when you and I went up to that stupid uh, to the Mariners game. That was useless. It's totally useless. The weird thing about that is, is that when um, 
when Tim and I went to do the, the, the Mariners game, and I've been there when the Seahawks are playing too in the middle of the day, and there's thousands of people streaming, you know, going down the streets. And, and you're like, ants. Totally. And you're like, well, and you're like, shouldn't these people be at work? you got to wonder if productivity in a town. Yeah, they call it a businessman special. Yeah, I mean, don't those people have jobs? if you're jobs? an employee, you can't leave work. But if you're a businessman, hey, I don't mean, gonna miss you. I was going to say, I don't mean to sound like Johnny Conservative, but shouldn't you be at work, friend? I mean, just everybody who's streaming into the, the Mariners game at like 1 in the afternoon. Because, you know, some guy who works on a toothpaste assembly line doesn't get to do that. That's only the Don Drapers of the world who get to go to that. All right, thank you, sir. All right, All right there you go. Rick, I wonder if they're going to replace that gigantic Greg Oden jersey on the side of the Rose Garden with a huge handicapped wheelchair symbol. Signed, Ha. Too soon. It's not too soon. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi there. I was just going to give you guys a little bit more info about the death deal. Yeah. Uh, I was a, well, I wasn't a mascot, but I filled in a few times down there as a student. So I've, uh, a couple years back, I've talked to a few of the guys since the incident. I guess the duck was a little upset because uh, whenever U of O scores, the duck goes out on the field and does push-ups for however many points there are. Right. And the Houston Cougar decided to go out there and mock him and do the same thing. Don't mock the duck. And don't. The duck is fierce. He's a, he's the a duck will beat duck. your ass. The duck was driving his elbow into the guy's throat. The duck, it looked like, was attempting to crush his windpipe. <laughs> so yeah, the, that's a phrase you don't hear too often, by the way. I do have a question about these ducks, though. Yes. Why is it that none of the uh, duck paraphernalia, the shirts and the sweatshirts, no longer have a picture of a duck on them? There's no duck involved anywhere. It's just a, uh, a letter O. But didn't they pay like 300 grand to have that O made too? Maybe they used to have the uh, they used to have Donald Duck. But I think maybe that's well. And 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 the duck mascot is still very clearly Donald. It's not just a random duck. It's obviously not seen Donald. anywhere anymore. That is interesting. It has to deal with licensing and and uh, maybe it costs more to license it for merchandise than for the costume. Well, yeah. somebody must get a new duck out there. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep, thank you. Right, don't taunt the duck or happy fun ball. I did. They they did. I do seem to remember that they paid some graphic design firm a huge amount of money to come up with a new logo, and then everybody was sort of. It's an O, and it has yeah, no duck. It came back with an O, and they're like, "Here we go. It's your new logo. It's an O," and everybody kind of went, "Oh." oh. Yes, that's exactly what they did. Um, by the way, uh, two things here. One, this guy says, I, yeah, I have no reason to believe he's lying. He says, Blazer season ticket cost. Rick, I pay for uh, a courtside seat. What do you think this guy pays a year? A season, rather. He says, I pay blank for a pair of, uh, for a pair of season ticket courtside. Well, there's all kinds of syntax going on here, but he pays for a courtside season tickets for a season. For two? Yeah, yeah, a pair. A pair of courtside season tickets. What 4, do you think? 4000 Tim? Yeah, I say around there. For I'm a pair of courtside season tickets at Blazers. Mm, $8,000. $30,000. Oh, my God. Uh, says this guy, Josh. And he says, hope this helps. Thanks. No, thank you, sir. $30,000. But, I mean, if he's paying $30,000, this probably almost doesn't, like I say, doesn't bother him. But, I mean, if you're paying that, you're obviously a big enough fan that you'd be going regardless. I suppose. I mean, Maybe. I mean, maybe he just bought them. Uh, let's see. This guy says, uh, Rick, here's another joke you should be copywriting right now. He's not Greg Oden. He's Greg O'Dunn. Oh, I'm going to use that later. He's Greg. Of course, I don't have the uh, thing. He's Greg O'Dunn. This joke, copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. Thank you, uh, Barry. All right. Uh, let's see. One of my... Uh... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh yeah, I just called to ask if, uh, do you think maybe it's something about the, the facility itself that's keeping the Blazers back? 
you think maybe the uh, the Rose Garden, the Rose Quarter is, is uh, you know, like a poltergeist? Or we, should, or... we should start that rumor right now. It's an old Rose... Indian burial ground. It was totally. buried, yeah. Well, it, actually, yeah. What was that well, the, community the, that was over there? It might actually be true, really, in Portland. What was it? Yeah, what was that community that was, uh, it was like part of Vanport? Oh, Vanport is north of there. Well, right, but I mean, there was a, that whole northeast section of town was like the old black, you know what I mean, enclave, and they basically just bulldozed blocks and blocks of housing. You know, whatever for the for the rose quarter. Okay, so we'll so, so it's bar- so maybe not Indian burial ground. It's uh, maybe it's just 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 gruntled citizens are like still <laughs> holding them back. You know? Okay, so it's the ghosts of former uh, of uh, I don't know of former residences. We'll come up with something, but I well, like the I like yeah. the idea that it's haunted though, and that that's yeah, what's causing this. It's just yeah, it's just holding them back. You know, it's like every time they get close enough, you know. We should like, okay. Oh. You know what we could do if we were a zany radio program. You know what we do. <laughs> Here's what we would do. If we were a kooky kind of radio program, okay. which Lord knows we are not, uh, we would go down to the Rose Garden and we would perform some sort of exorcism ritual <laughs> on the air to get rid of the bad luck. Uh, to get wait. rid of the bad luck. This joke copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. That's what we would do. We would have, we would have a priest and an exorcist, and we'd gather around it in a circle, and we would chant, and we would try to rid the Rose Garden of the bad luck. And then we'd call the media so they could would come we? on down to do it. Would we do the horns across the hawthorn on the way out there? It'd be yeah, but it'd be like ring around the rose garden. <laughs> Great See, I, how I just come up with this retarded crap. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Ring around the rose garden. This Friday, the Rick Emerson Show. This joke, copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. Oh, by the way, according to the Blazer website, no refunds or exchanges on season ticket packages. Means the fans won't have a leg to stand on. Oh, they're about as helpful as Facebook. <laughs> Maybe you should invite all your friends to spend thirty grand on the uh, on the uh, season ticket passes. All right. Ring around the rose garden. I'm just giving that idea away right now. Somebody, uh, some uh, idiot morning show, go out there, go ahead and uh, do some sort of religious exorcism thing outside the rose garden to get rid of the bad luck. You can just have that bit from me to you. We got more bits than we know what to do with here. You can have that one. Here's that uh, Tim Riley. Well, let's cheer up all you basketball fans. There's going to be a whole bunch of one-hit wonders coming to town to try to take your money. See how many of these you remember. And these, uh, within a three-day stretch, Okay. there are three one-hit wonders coming into town. Do you want to, okay, now, are you, do you want to list the band and I'll give you the hit or list the hit uh-huh. and I'll give you the band? Mm-hmm. How do you want to do it? Uh, these are individuals. Okay. The first one, coming in uh, on the 17th, will be Loudon Wainwright III. Rufus Wainwright's father. Yeah. Uh, and also the father of Martha Wainwright. Uh, he did Dead Skunk. Yep. Dead Skunk in the middle of the road. Now, the second one is a double billing. Maybe so he'll you come can... with Rufus Wainwright, Tim. It's your dream concert. Oh, maybe. Oh, yes. It's one of my favorite performers. Sarah gets subjected to Rufus Wainwright all the time, I would imagine. Oh, I should say subjected. I sure do. Should, I, I should say that I don't wish to inject myself in the Rufus Wainwright uh, discord. I like sometimes him. Consumes. I, I don't want to say I'm indifferent, uh, but I will say that I, I don't have strong feelings one way or the other I about Rufus I guess he's an acquired taste. Some. Like liver. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So the next night after Loudon Wainwright... It's a double billing with Leon Russell and Commander Cody. Uh, Commander uh, Commander Cody, who did um, no, that's Crazy World of Arthur Brown. He didn't do Fire. See, I can't think of e- either one of these artists hits. But Leon Russell always seems to be in town every other week. But when you say Leon Russell, you know who I was thinking of, and it's not it's not the right thing. I was thinking of Redbone, but it's not Redbone. No, it's Leon Russell and Commander Cody playing the same bill. Who? But what did Commander Cody and his Flying Airmen? But it's not I, the I Flying remember. Airmen. It's just Commander yeah. Cody. What did he sing? I can't remember, but he sang something. And what did Leon Russell sing? I can't remember what he sang, but he's been around forever. Leon Russell, guy with a big white beard. He, he looks like a lapsa opso with sunglasses. <laughs> ha! Yes, exactly. Like he's... 
totally. Like he's on the other half of the morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. That's him. Um, Leon Russell and Commander Cody. I can't remember hits from either of them, but apparently they have enough to be booked here like every other week. And when you and, and when and when you say Commander Cody, I, I keep the other guy. I keep thinking of Cub Coda, and no, that's I, not that's not right. Commander either. Cody and the Last Planet Airmen. Yeah, but Scotty I should know some of these things. Leon Russell, hey Scotty, Leon Russell or Commander Cody? Leon Russell, Commander Cody. What did they sing? What, what, please to tell me if they had what were their singles that they might have been Hot Rod Lincoln. No, yeah, okay. Hot Rod Lincoln is that Leon Russell? No, that's Commander Cody. Commander Cody. I only know. So the, maybe they'll, um, they'll do a duet with that. I think I only know the Johnny Cash version of that song. Okay. Uh, Todd Rundgren. Todd the, Rundgren. The night after that. Todd Rundgren. Uh, he had the album Tiny Monsters. Most notable, Todd Rundgren is most notable. Todd Rundgren is as a producer. Hmm. Uh, Sarah will know Todd Rundgren's work. He produced Bad Out of Hell mm-hmm. um, for Meatloaf. Um, Todd Rundgren. Uh, I remember the song. I don't remember. A hit by Todd Rundgren. I think it was it was a semi hit. It was "Hello, It's Me." Oh yeah, that was him. Um, Todd Rundgren. At this point, he is one of those uh, musicians who is just beloved by other musicians. Mm-hmm. Todd Rundgren is like going to see Billy Sheehan, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani. Uh, you know what? There's an Al Petrelli music festival coming to town. I'm there. You know, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that just other. You will see. Let me just tell you this: at the Todd Rundgren concert. Not as badly as it, not as bad as like Steve Vai or Joe Satriani, but there will be no women there, no women at all. It'll just be, uh, it'll just be guys with receding hairlines and uh, guitar blisters on their fingers. That's the only people who go to see that act. All right, so that's three nights in a row. All right, anybody else? Coming up on October eighth is Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe of uh, you know this one. Uh, well, Nick Lowe of Rockpile. I'm not sure if it's Rockpile or not. Yeah, because it was because it's Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and then Nick Lowe had. I do remember his hits. He had that uh, that album, Pinker and Prouder than previous, and the hit single. I don't know. Cruel to be kind. Cruel to be kind. Nick Lowe, yes. So is he British? When hit wondered, I believe he is. It's like a Britpop kind of a thing. And then, to make matters worse, well, actually they don't sing. But let me just say first of all, Pinker and Prouder than previous is a terrible album title. It's hard to believe he didn't have the future singles. Go so ahead. those are four one-hit wonders. For you to spend your money on. They really ought to be. And, you know, those tickets are probably 40 bucks each. It's playing at the Aladdin. Yeah. And then last but not least, they're not singers, but at least, oh, it is Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. Michael Ian Black and Mike. Well, Michael Ian Black's a comedian. Though. Yeah. Isn't that his deal? They're doing deal? comedy. They're doing comedy on this one. Uh, because when Sarah met him in New York, we were talking about Michael Ian Black. and like, what does he Apparently do? Apparently he's a funny man. I don't know who Michael Showalter tickets is. Tickets go on sale tomorrow morning at 10. You better hurry. Can I, uh, may I see that? Sure you can. Here's everything. I think we've got Leon. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's. Ah, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah, Commander Cody had a song called Hot Rod Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, Probably you're right. Okay, see, I, see, and I'm not enough of a fan of either him or Leon Russell, but I do know the song Hot Rod Lincoln. And Leon Russell actually wrote several songs. He's probably most famous for uh, Cares or Lost in a Masquerade that uh, George Benson did. Oh, this Masquerade? Yeah, he wrote that, and then yeah. he had a lot of songs. The best one is his drunk song called Back to the Island. Okay. Okay. Well, it's brought to you by we, Kink. So yeah. And then you were asking about Niccolo. I think didn't he have another song called "I Hear You Knocking"? And that's I not the. You. That's not the. I hear you knocking. Yeah. I thought that was Nick Lowe and Rockpile. Maybe. It, Nick Lowe and, I, I know Nick Lowe and Rockpile basically in sort of a high-fidelity way because I know a lot of guys who are into him, yeah. uh, it, and, uh, you know, and especially the Rockpile stuff. It's very sort of hard-edged guitar pop right. stuff, but, you know, still kind of acoustic-y sounding. So, yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, there you go. Okay. Well, let's see what so else. Those are four one-hit wonders for you. Well, you missed you missed a couple here, by the way. There's a couple other one-hit wonders on here, at least one. You missed um, 
Sean Mullins. Also brought to you by Kink. Boy, Sean Mullins is just the definitive Kink artist. You know Sean Mullins, don't you? He did, he did that song Lullaby that everybody calls Rockabye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is actually, mm-hmm. and I will say this, call me what you will, I think it's a beautiful song. I really do. And I know a lot of people hate it. Okay. Because he has what somebody called a fur-covered voice where everything comes out like this. Um, but I think it's a great song. I really do. The problem is... Oh, he, I was in high school when that song was out and it just played nonstop. That's the problem. Overexposure. Not his fault. Um, it's a beautiful song, but of course a song that was so unique and distinct that he could then, he was just immediately defined by it. Uh, let's see. Who, but, but yeah, he is just the, absolutely the definitive kink. Uh, in fact, I saw him in, in concert once when I first moved here. Like the first month I was here. Uh, and it was, uh, he was brought, it was kink. It was, uh, kink presenting Sean Mullins, Chris Isaac, and Neil Finn from Crowded House. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Loudon Wainwright. Let's see. Bunch of other people that I don't. Uh, the Sub Dudes. I don't even know what they do, but I love. I love a band called the Sub Dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Sexton, who I believe is like another one of those guitar guys that only other guys will go see. Uh, well, let's see. Mm-hmm. Nick, so basically, Nick, uh, all, all those one-hit wonders are people like. 50 and over. Exactly. No, that's that's totally The, the 50 and over demographic must be big here. Um, Daniel Tosh. What, is he like related to Peter Tosh? No, this is Not a big, sure. frat boy, white guy. Um, the Dark Star Orchestra. God, that's got to be a Pink Floyd cover band. The Dark Star, uh, Dark Star Art, uh, Orchestra almost has to be a, some sort of a Pink Floyd tribute. But then right next to that, coming to the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall, it always unnerves me when they don't give the ticket price, because that means it's going to be exorbitantly high. Wednesday, October 10th, Tim George Jones will be here. Country music legend George Jones. I didn't even know he was still alive. Oh, yeah, the country artists live forever. <laughs> I mean, they abuse their bodies, and they outlive everybody. <laughs> They they live forever, and they're always broke, which is why they're always touring. I mean, more than any other genre of music, country artists mismanage their money. Uh, we'll get this. Liam Russell call, and then we'll take a break here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey there. You've got to go to a Leon Russell concert. Uh, well, he's here every week. <laughs> why? He comes, he comes once a year with... Um, uh, well, anyway, he comes here, and he comes on stage, doesn't even face the audience, and he's got, like, some 20-something kids playing with him, and they're all staring at him, watching him, see if he's still alive and if he's going to keep moving. Ah. He just stumbles up to the the uh, keyboard and just, just plays a song, sings, and then everybody in the band just stares at him, waiting to see what he's going to do next. Excellent. Fantastic. That's sort of like when I went to see, um, it's not quite as bad, but... Like when I went to see Hank Jr. at one point, uh, and he several times drunkenly tried to walk off the edge of the stage. And at one point, I do believe I saw him try to unzip his pants and use the bathroom, not realizing he was still out there singing. Um, Or when I saw uh, Oasis, who I do love, but Oasis, who stand rooted to the stage as though they have actually sprouted like tendrils down into the earth beneath them. I think there was a fire. Everybody in Oasis would die because they are unable to move while on stage. Yeah, I go every year to see that, actually see that concert and walk out after Commander Cody because uh, I go to see the Commander Cody because, he, well, he comes out with on a cane, first of all, and he just hunches over the uh, <laughs> the keyboard and kind of holds himself up, but he, he keeps moving really fast, and he's real good. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye. All right. There you go. Uh, okay. We have to break. We're way over time. So uh, Greg Oden will be leaning up against the cane at the, uh, the Rose Garden any time now. Yes, he will. No, I was trying to think of a pun like a no cane do kind of a thing, but I think Greg O'Dunn. I think that we've peaked with that. I don't think we can. I don't think we can surpass that. This joke copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon.
It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Rick, some point today, have Scotty J sing Rainbow Connection. Please? Huh? Huh? Please? All right. By the way, our good friend Chris Neathan checks in via email says, Hey, did you hear about Greg Oden? Indeed we did, sir. And he says, I may have just lost my will to live. Sorry about that. I, I don't know that I can really affect that situation. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I was just calling about Michael Showalter. You said you didn't know who he was. Um, no. I said so. Actually, uh, have, there's, a, there's a show that was on for, I think, like one season called uh, Stella. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay, it's it's really good. I mean, it was only on for one season because it was a little too intelligent for most people. Kind of yes. like Arrested Development. Yes. Um, but also, and then I believe you have a copy of Wet Hot American Summer, right? Sitting on my TV, never watched. Yes, you need to watch that. He's in it. Okay. Him and uh, Michael Ian Black. It's Michael really Ian fun. Black, who's put on weight, by the way. Right, and once again, like I said, it's a, it's intelligent humor, so, you know. Let me know how you what you think about it. Come back in and talk about it on the show. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. Yeah, apparently they're going to be doing their comedy thing, October tenth at the Aladdin uh, the Aladdin Theater. Well, that's good. Yeah, I know that it's wrong of me to feel this way, but I just my my uh, what? But Mike Trasher's bringing it. Uh huh. Does that mean I'm supposed to, I'm not supposed to say anything no, bad about no, it? No, no. I'm just saying he had actually talked spoken to me about. Oh, about having Michaeline Black on the show. Yeah, about if we'd want any of the comedians. Is on. he funny? What would, be his, what would be his most famous joke or one-liner? <laughs> well, that's an interesting. Does he say something like dynamite? Or, <laughs> is all comedians must we have? We should just ask him to do other people's jokes when he's here. Can you play? T- can you do? Say, take my wife, please. Come on, come on, come on. Do some redneck jokes. Um, the uh, that'd be an interesting. I proposed this idea at one point. Uh, I had this idea going around my head one time. That for a wacky bit, uh, that there ought to be some sort of uh, uh, kitschy, ironic comedian who performs uh, at like the Portland venues, like a Dante's or a Voodoo Donuts or one of those places. But he's a he's a comedian cover artist, and he just does comedy's greatest. Like he does just comedy bits by other people. That's the thing because you don't really see that. Like you see like a Dane Cook who just. You know, what's that called? Steals. Who just steals other people's material. Have you seen that thing going around the net that's just Dane Cook's jokes? Like him telling a joke immediately followed by someone else telling the same joke word for word like four years earlier? It's really wonderful. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, anyway, there's it, it, the, the title of it is actually called Dane Cook is a joke-stealing mother effer. Uh, but um, there, but but the idea is you try to sell this to the hipsters, where some guy comes out and he performs comedy hits from other people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you go see a band, like you go see uh, to any bar, and there's a band like you know, and they'll play whatever. They play like a Green Day song, then they play an ACDC song, then they play a Bad Company song. Well, you'd go to see this zany comedian, but he'd be doing comedy's greatest hits. He'd do a George Carlin bit, then he'd do a Bill Cosby bit, then a Michael Ian Black bit, or whatever. I think that'd be funny. And and he would and if you gave him like a real retro styling and he was just sort of like you know whatever, um, but nobody people the comics don't really tell jokes anymore, do they? Do people tell jokes generally? When is the last time you heard a good joke? A good and I don't joke. mean like a story, you know, like you where mean somebody going up and seeing a comedian perform. I'm just saying, do people really tell jokes anymore? Like, even just people you know, like, in daily life. And I don't mean, like, when some guy shared an amusing anecdote with you. But, you know, like, two guys walk into a bar, you know? Oh, I don't remember the last time someone told me a joke. It seems like we have have passed the joke-telling, uh... 
we have passed the joke-telling point in our society. Like a new breed of stand-up comedian. Is that it, what you're That's exactly. Well, but not just stand-up comedians. I'm saying in daily life, I don't think people really tell jokes anymore. Anyway, um, so Michael Ian Black, blah, blah, blah. I will say this. is not about Michael Ian Black or, or Michael Showalter, because I don't really know enough about them to say, except that... Well, he was on a program off for one season, and on the DVD on your TV. <laughs> He's on a thing I've never watched, and a thing that Tim watched and apparently didn't care for. So I will say... That I, by default, am uh, predisposed. <laughs> That's a good word. I should. I'm going to write that down. That's like a sniglet. Uh, predisposed. I'm going to write that down. I can use that at some point. Um, I am predisposed. This joke copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. I am predisposed to hate comedians until they give me a reason not to. I will just say that. I mean, personally, professionally, in terms of the material, in terms of them as an interview. I am just predisposed to disliking, if not hating, comedians until I until I am given ample evidence to not hate them. So I'm sure that these are funny fellows, though. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I just found out that the uh, University of Oregon's mascot duck is named Donald Duck. So apparently, he can't be Donald Duck when he's dressed up in a Donald Duck suit. I guess and it's just not for up. it's not for merchandise, though. Okay. So you can't have a picture of him on a T-shirt. Yeah, but I he, guess. But he is Donald Duck. Yeah, apparently uh, apparently it's just uh, blah, blah, blah. Disney will not, not let the University of Oregon sell T-shirts with a Donald Duck image on it anymore. They're still able to use Donald as the mascot because they were grandfathered in with an agreement with Walt Disney. A few years ago, Nike wanted to get another duck to put on T-shirts and such, so they invented another mascot that looked like an evil Darkwing Duck guy that scared little children. It was a failure. I like that. We should use that mascot. Uh, and this says... Um, Rick, the Blazers had the second choice in the draft in 84 and picked Sam Bowie, a center from the University of Kentucky. Bowie broke his leg in college and then many, many times as a Blazer. He was in Portland for four years and then was traded. Also, uh, and then he's asking about them. Um, if you type Indiana Jones 4 into Google, every source says that Sean Connery will not be playing Indy's dad. That sucks. Uh, we will address the Indiana Jones rumor mill a little later on because we had a lot of calls about Indiana Jones yesterday, a lot of email about that. People, the uh, rumor mill out of control uh, with Indiana Jones 4. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, from Aloha comes where the construction worker has been run over by a John Deere road scraper and severely injured. Scraper? Mm hmm. Uh, this fellow's in critical condition the last time we checked. They were working on a new subdivision at 198th Avenue in Aloha. The John Deere truck is extremely huge and is used for the construction of roads. Uh, deputy assisted with uh, setting up a landing zone for the light flight, and they uh, took him away. So he's still alive, but, well, barely. An out-of-state visitor claimed she was attacked when she left her restroom at Arnold Park in Aloha yesterday afternoon. Never used the restrooms in some of these houses. She's tapping her foot? Uh, she hit the man in the throat and ran away. This happened at 6 o'clock at uh, Arnold Place at Southwest 182nd Place. She was coming out of the, uh, the porta party when the man grabbed her, but she smacked him back. Uh, he's in his 30s and noticeable scar on the right side of his face. He's 5'4 to 5'8. A medium build. He was wearing a red T-shirt with a logo and dirty, dark-colored pants. A llama has attacked a jogger. This happened in the central Oregon town of Terrebonne. This is the second time we mentioned this town in the past week, Terrebonne. Uh, Nancy Campbell, who lives in that town, expected an uneventful evening jog with her eight-year-old daughter riding alongside of her on a bike. Instead, she came upon a llama and suffered what veterinarians call berserk llama syndrome. The llama knocked the woman down, stomped its feet, spit, and bit her. The daughter raced home to tell her dad what was happening. Staff from the Humane Society of Redmond arrived, and it took five people to pin the 250-pound beast. The veterinarian says male llamas sometimes go berserk around puberty. 
How would you know if a llama's in puberty just to avoid it? You don't know. Uh, this often when they uh, bond too closely with people. The llama's owner said she adopted the animal a month earlier from Animal Rescue Agency. Veterinarians position... Oh. They gave the veterinarian per- uh, permission to uh, kill the animal the day after the attack. So if you, if you uh, beat up on a human, you'll be killed. I love the idea that they actually have a name for it, though, that it's Berserk Llama Syndrome. Which berserk is the case. Llama Syndrome. Maybe this sort of thing happens much more often than we are. Uh, and the mainstream media doesn't really tell us about these events. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Guy goes into a bar, oh, dragging a chain. Uh-huh. Bartender says, what are you dragging a chain for? The guy says, what do you want me to do, push it? But I'll pump. Okay, that was funny. That really was funny. All right, thank you. Show over. All right, bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, uh, Todd Rundgren also did bang the drum all day. What? I think it was attacked by a llama. That <laughs> was kind of funny. That was just sort of, I regret nothing. That was just gone. I... All right, he may have been caught on the phone when he wasn't supposed to be. Hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Oh, quick joke. I have a lot of long ones, but we'll make it short. Uh, how does a French woman hold her liquor? Okay, now, is this going to have a blue punchline? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Just... Okay. Hold on. We have to define blue. You're supposed to be thinking during this time. Oh, no. There's no thought. Okay, now, do you still feel like this is a joke you should tell? Oh, I think so. There's no swears or anything. No swears. No swears. No, no, no swears. You guys want to go see a dead body? Okay. <laughs> Poke it with a stick? Uh, you're, not, I... you're not making me feel good about the upcoming punchline. All right, tell the joke. How does a French woman hold her liquor? I don't know. By the ears. <laughs> All right. Aww. Thank you. Bye now. Bye now. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, this is a very sad story. Uh, cruel officials at the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife took away two little pet deer from a family last night, leaving the animals fit uncertain and the deer's owners in tears. Uh, apparently, Francesca Matty found a deformed, rare-colored black deer some five years ago, and the family adopted it, naming it Snowball. It, it couldn't fend for itself because it was deep. Anything named Snowball is going to come to a bad end, by the way. That's just the way these stories always work. Well, another deer mated with Snowball and gave birth to Bucky. However, under Oregon law, the animals were being held illegally. So the uh, woman spent uh, all day yesterday crying after four Oregon State Police cars arrived in her driveway and took the little deer away. We've come for Snowball! Mm-hmm. And the other one. Apparently... A compromise fell through, and they took the animals away. It's like when you name a dog Lucky, you know that it's going to get by a steamroller. So now they're going to release the deer into the wild, and people say these deer will never last, since they've lived with humans for too long. The deer were set free in a private part of the Cascades. Even the wildlife officials say they're not optimistic that they can survive for long, but we just want to be cruel to people who help them. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, I had a couple great jokes for you, neither blue. <laughs> One of them is... Uh... My ex-girlfriend said she won't see me anymore, so I poked her eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at that. That's like a Shecky Green joke. <laughs> it's like Shecky Green in hell, though. My other one is, what do you call it, German virgin? Uh, okay. Good and tight. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's, no, that's not, no, sir. 
right, thank you. Bye Best now. show ever. Thank you. All right, the first joke, okay. The second one, nine. All right. The first joke was pretty great, though. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really see where he was going with that. And then it I was, didn't either. The punchline was sort of on you before you knew it. That's a joke I might actually put in my file to, to, to retell later. Very rarely do I, uh, do I sort of file away a joke to tell later. That one, I'm going to keep that one around. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. I got a piece of breaking news here. Wait, hold on. No, no, that's, that's wrong. Hold on, I'm sorry. A senior administration official says the president has degree, agreed to bring 5,700 troops home by December of this year. The move comes on the advice of the top commander in Iraq, who has outlined a plan to gradually withdraw a total of 30,000 troops by next summer. So is this going to be subtracted from the 30,000? So would you please, would you read that one more time then? I didn't really understand it. A senior administration official says... Would you please read President it as though I'm a mongoloid? ...has agreed to bring home 5,700 troops by December of this year. The move comes on the advice of the top U.S. commander in Iraq, who has outlined a plan to withdraw a total of 30,000 troops by next summer. So the question is, is this 5,700 being subtracted from the 30,000? Yes, that's exactly what that is. I mean, I'll guarantee you. That's, he's not, he's not going to bring home 5,700 more. So 5,700, yeah. This is, this, it's up to fool the public. That is, so that will be then leaving uh, 24,300 uh, 24, of okay. the 30,000. Mm-hmm. That's totally what that is. He's saying of the 30,000, we will bring home like 5,000 of them by December. These people are getting very tiring. Really? Uh, you, you said it. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. You just put them on a freaking plane. I love the idea that they said there's just no way to bring them home that quickly. Sure there is. Here's what, of course there we is. Have big airlines. Just a lie. Here's why I don't believe that. And they, I don't believe that we can't get our troops out of there quickly if we've already said we're going to be removing them. I don't believe that for the same reason I didn't believe this nonsense that it took forever to get the troops down to, uh, to, the, to the hurricane in New Orleans. Remember that crap they always say? It's not crap. That stuff they always say about the, the about the you know the army rangers that they can be anywhere in the world within 48 hours if they need to engage in military action. That's what they always say about the, like, the 82nd Airborne. Like they can be anywhere in the world in 48 hours on the ground shooting people. You know, and if there's if there's a village of poor people that needs blowing up, they can be there doing it within two days. So as long you, as they're not white, if you if you can get them somewhere in two days, you can get them out of there in like four. I don't buy the argument that it's going to take a year to get 30,000 people to pack up their crap and get on a plane and come home. Uh, that's just fiction, is what that is. That is a uh, that's a, a tall tale. That, yes, they they are attempting to hornswoggle us. It is a joke. We are being bamboozled. But what are people going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. What's on ESPN tonight? I was just going to say, doesn't no one's going to do anything. You can do whatever you want to the American people. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Long as we can get Greg Odin out there on the playing field somehow. You yeah, get him out there on the cigarettes. Court, fine. Plenty of DVDs to rent. Right. Uh, the president is expected to announce uh, this troop reduction tonight. Uh, Trent Lott, why is he back? Well, he says the address will tell Americans what's really going on in Iraq. He thinks that the, the surge uh, has been producing surge. some uh, favorable uh, results. Uh, he is going to, in effect, endorse the, what uh, General Petraeus and Ambassador Parker had to say uh, and, and basically say we're going to go forward with the Petraeus plan. I'm so tired of this whole thing. I really am. And I'm I, tired of listening to these people. I'm just Why gonna, don't we get rid of the rest of the story? That's Does it have anything to do with it? No. I really need to buy a shredder just for this room so we can shred these unpleasant stories so they don't come I thought we had a shredder in here. No, nah, that was Dave Zins. He lent it to us. Mm. 
Uh, what were we shredding that day? I don't remember. Well, we got to get our own shredder. But uh, I'm tired of listening to these things, so I'm going to throw them all away. You know what this is? And again, this is regardless, of, and I believe that even people who are very staunchly Republican or pro-war or what have you might agree with this. This is just like... It's just like some gum in which the flavor has been chewed out. It's a you pile know? of hooey. It's, <laughs> it's horse pucky. Um, the uh, it, it's 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 not even really about what they're saying as such. I'm just I'm just tired of it. I just I'm I just want the ne- I want I want the next election to be here well, just because it'll be fun. They're taking the same sentences and just moving them around. It's like cut and paste yeah. in different places. As I said, it is really refrigerator poetry for politics. Uh, but that's I'm I'm just I'm tired of this. I am done with this movie. I'm finished with this. Uh, Finished with this season of this program. I am ready for the new cast to come in. This is like when you get down to, you know, well, help Hillary load up the moving van. You know what That's we're all you know what we're watching now. This last uh, what how, what is this? So the last twelve. Not 12, whatever, the last 12, 13 months of whatever, the Bush administration, whatever it is. Well, it's like the helicopter on the roof of the embassy. I was going to say we that is... a bigger helicopter to get these people out of here quicker. Last chapter out of Saigon, or I was going to say, this is like watching the two or three tedious uh, wrap-up and recap episodes of a, uh, of a reality show before they do the finale. Mm. Like when you watch Survivor or Rockstar or whatever, and they'll do the whole season, and then before they do the finale, they do two weeks of best-ofs. If you haven't been watching Survivor, you know, Guantanamo, here's what happened. And then they show two weeks' worth of just compilations and crap you've already heard. And it's just to kill time, running down the clock until the finale. The finale is going to be when the election cycle starts for real. And right now we're just uh, we're just having to slog through a bunch of... This is summer reruns is what this is. This is summer political reruns. Just from an entertainment point of view, I want something new. So there. Hey, was there some debate last night online? Like some Yahoo. Maybe. I, didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, me either. Are you gonna watch the uh, Are you gonna watch the thing tonight with John Edwards? Because you'll be doing uh, news updates for the people even in my absence. I am, but tonight is also the night of our favorite program. Oh, Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, and the thing is, I'll be here long enough to watch that actually. And I got to keep, and then I'm gonna watch them all again with uh, Lara when she gets back. She haven't been able to see any of them in Italy. Um, let my me second favorite show, Hotel Babylon, was on last night. Babylon? No, that doesn't make any sense. It's on I the BBC. Did. That's not a callback to anything. I was just talking like Pee Wee Herman for no reason there. I mean, you're just kind of counting down, really. Really, it's true. I mean, this this is your own Iraq. There are. <laughs> this show is my own personal Iraq. <laughs> That's too soon. <laughs> Um, okay. Like my own private Idaho. Yes. Showed my own private Iraq. <laughs> my, own private. my own private Baghdad. Uh, anywho, uh, you know, there ought to be some sci-fi hybrid with Hotel Babylon where they do a Hotel Babylon 5. <clears throat> That's a little joke for Aaron. Mm. All right, let me say this. about. Can we talk about Mad Men for a second? We can talk about whatever you want. Can we talk? Yes, we can. About Mad Men. Let's talk about I Mad was Mad talking Mad. to Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, uh, yesterday. Mm. We're talking about Mad Men, and last week's episode, which is, I've said a hundred times now, is, I think, the best so far. Um, boy, damn, I love that show. It is just such a great, wonderful program. Mm-hmm. Um it sticks with you. It does. Sticks I, to your I mean, it's better than most movies that are I out. think about that show. I turn that show over in my head I live like my a child turning over a block, uh, just over and over and over. And I'm not going to pressure Sarah to watch it, but I am saying I think you, someday if you ever do watch it, you will enjoy it immensely. I'll watch it when it's on DVD because is it on cable? Yeah, yeah, it's on AMC. AMC. They'll put it out probably in a few months. Okay. Um, a lot of gals in it. Yes, a lot All of dressed up in period. And they are gals, too. They're not women. They're not ladies. They're, gal they're gals. Fridays. They are totally gals. Um, except for that, that, well, okay, anyway, so, that floozy in the red dress. I wasn't going to say floozy. I was going to say something else, but yes, that's exactly what she is. And there's that, uh, there's that teaser line from tonight's episode where Peggy says, the men around here look at you as two things, looking for a husband and a lot of fun, and not in that order. Right. Uh, 
the it was all about wiggling the behind back then. It wasn't. What did, what did she say? She said, well, the, Peggy's got a lot upstairs, which is okay, but usually it's about having it downstairs. The here's Let me ask you this, because Susan and I were sort of hashing out last week's episode. What, what, and, and you all at home can join in on this, too, picture page style if you would like. So what was the deal last week when, so he goes to the Bohemian Girls' apartment. Smokes marijuana. Yeah, but before that, he walks in, so he's in New York City. He got a bonus. But, okay, but I'm just laying out. So he has the bonus check, $2,500. A lot of money in those days. $2,500. Walks into his bohemian mistress's apartment in the East Village, and he says, and he's got a great voice. He has that glottal fry thing, which I normally don't like, but he does have a great voice. And he walks in and says, why don't you and I get on it? You know, we'll go to Idlewild. Have, you know, go, let's go to Paris go tonight. To Paris. And that was where he goes to his mistress's apartment because uh, she lives in the city. He lives in, you know, the suburbs. He goes to his mistress. in Chelsea. So he goes to her her place, her cra- her crash pad, her flat, and he says, "You and I, let's have dinner in Paris." And she says, "What do you mean?" And he pulls out the bonus check, and it's a twenty five hundred. He goes, "I just got my bonus. Let's get on a plane. We can be in Paris in four hours or however, whatever long, having dinner. You and me. Let's go to Paris now." And he's dead serious. You can tell, completely serious. And she's like, "I can't. We're having a party, and I've got people over, and whatever." He stays for a while. He smokes a little pot, which you can tell that was the first time he'd done it, I think. Mm-hmm. And he has that flashback to when he's a kid. And just a little sub subplot here. It is interesting to me that you can tell. For me, I'm saying right then in that episode, it was he was at a fork in the road where he was thinking, I could either become a bomb and just drop out of society, or I could stay on the straight and narrow. And then he has that flashback to his mother feeding a hobo during the Depression when he was growing up, and he decides at the end to leave the apartment and not become a bomb. But anyway, so he, but he asks his mistress to fly to Paris with him. And at the end, he at the scene, he asks her again. He's like, he, he puts on his hat, and he's getting ready to leave. And he's like, what do you say? You and me, let's fly to Paris right now. And she's like, Don, I can't. I've got all these people. And he's like, all right, whatever. And he puts on his hat, and there's that great moment where the hippie says to him, you know, you can't leave. There's cops out there. And Don looks at the hippie, and he goes, you can't leave. Because he's got the gray flannel suit and the hat. And he walks right past the cop, and the cop smiles and nods and whatever. So my question is, this is what Susan and I were going over. My question is, Obviously, he was serious when he asked his girlfriend, mistress, to fly to Paris with him. But you can't just fly to Paris. I mean, that's like six hours or whatever from New York. First of all, A, where is his wife going to think he is? And so my question is, at that moment, was he at a crossroads about just dropping out of the whole game? Just chuck it, as, as Simon and Garfunkel had said, just chucking it all. Was that the deal? Was he, was he at that moment? If she had said, yes, let's fly to Paris right now, was he just ready to cash it in? Was he Was he just... Was he going to throw in the towel? I mean, what? I don't understand exactly what was prompting him to ask his girlfriend to fly to Paris with him that night. Mm-hmm. And so I, we're trying to figure out if, if he was at some weird personal crisis point where he was considering just, again, just throwing it all in, just, just throwing it away and chucking it all in and just and running off to Paris and dropping out of the whole game. Um, and that seems to be like that was – seems like that might be what it was about because – uh, again, he's and I know I'm talking about it, sure not a lot of people, but this is I got I got to know about this because it's on a night and it's been bugging me because he's hanging out at the pad with all the beatniks and stoners and when he asks what their plans for the evening are, they literally say we're going to get high and listen to Miles and like that's it, that's all they've got planned. They don't have jobs, they have no money. They're you know they're just a bunch of stinking unemployed beatniks. But and don't forget a, the hobo is actually from New York. That's true. And the hobo was a former executive of some kind of former white collar employee in New York. So he, I mean, he is in. A room with people he might consider to be hobos also. That's true. 
And so it seems to me like he was at a personal crossroads of deciding whether to stick with his day-to-day, 9-to-5, Madison Avenue, white-collar, stifling, but financially rewarding existence, or is he going to drop out and hit the road with his mistress right. and go to Paris and chuck his whole day-to-day life and just run away from home, basically. Because the hobo said he gave up the uh, conventional life to be free. So I bet that's what it was, which makes it even more fascinating. I want to go back and watch that episode again. It, it's repeated like every night. I have. I It's still on my team. I'm saving them all for a You can a also buy them on iTunes. I have been convinced, though, since I saw that episode. With each passing day, I think about that episode more, and I am convinced that he was looking for a reason to quit his job and run away from home, wife, family, career, everything. And he just wanted to go live just, you know, not on the street, but just just, just run away from it all. And just and because he, we've already established that he has two different names, mm-hmm. because he changed his name as an adult. He was Dick Whitman, and now he's Don Draper. So we've already established that he actually does have two names, and he very easily could get on a plane, especially in 1960, get on a plane, run to Paris with his girlfriend with a little bit of money, and just vanish from society which I think is very tempting to a lot of people at various times in their lives. God, what a great show. All right, anyway, so there you go. That concludes the talking about a bunch of crap that... Tonight's episode, you know, will be... Shoot. Is that the... Are you, can't you find it, or is that the actual name? That's, it, that's the actual name. Okay. Uh, well, if you know, if you know a lot nine. about it, yeah, if it has a description, I don't want to know. Uh, I would prefer not to... Uh, I would prefer not to know any description of tonight, because I'll be watching tonight, and then I'll be missing... Uh, next week, but just just such a just a fantastic show, really. Just and as you said, just emotionally resonant. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, Sky J. No, but thank you for, thank you for confusing us. This is Rick. What's up? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I you need to turn. Play on, to, please, play on sir, sir, you. sir, please turn down whatever's in the background. Turn it up. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, Scotty, I got a uh, not Scotty, Rick. Rick, I got a play on words joke for you. Okay. Right, a little girl walks in a bank with a jar full of pennies and nickels. All right, now. Yes, it's clean. Okay. And the teller looks down at her and says, Oh, my, honey. She says, It must have taken you a long time to hoard up that much money. She's Oh, not very long. My sister hoard half of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. That really was funny. I like anything with the word whore in it. I think the word whore is tremendously expressive. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... You know, well, you're cutting to the point. I'm saying, just linguistically speaking, there are certain words that have a little bit of punch or power to them. And I'm saying in terms of comedy or drama, just the word whore has a certain, you know, that's got a certain little punch to it. Much more so than hooker or prostitute. Whore is really, you know, that, really, that, that, that word really hits like a fist. That's funny. All right. Um, well, we might as well roll through this, then we'll break, and we'll come back and uh, do some uh, some other things here in KCMD Portland. Bam! Uh, Tim Riley. Oh, did I tell you the Burnside Bridge is going to be closed for three I weeks? I thought it was already closed. I'm they so open it, confused. They open it for a day every so often. Then they close it again. You. Yeah. They dangle it oh, and put it in like a carrot. Look, do you want to drive over the bridge? Ah, closed. Uh, it'll be uh, closer repairs beginning at 9 a.m., just uh-huh. on top of the rush hour Monday. Really? Uh, it's going to impact Thanks. motor vehicles Only. Only. Uh, pedestrians and bicyclists will be able to cross the bridge, That's and wonderful. river traffic will not be impaled. The bridge is scheduled to reopen at 6 a.m. Monday, October 8th. They're going to replace parts of a hinge that uh, attaches to 3.8 million pounds. If the hinge were to fail, the east span would not likely to open, and cars would tumble into the uh, the drink. You know, the, the uh, this... You know, all of this has been exacerbated by that Minnesota bridge collapse, too. Yes. Because everything that was going to take like a year is now going to take 12 years. Good for that. All right. Uh, apparently, there's some breaking news. Hold on. All right. Hell what yeah. were your thoughts? No. 
Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, everybody. Hey. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened, but I just left the Markham Bridge, and but... there's a rescue copter right above the water, as if someone or something is in the water. As if. Those are great words in a news story. As if there were a gigantic sea creature pulling cars <laughs> off the bridge. Quite possibly. So this is the Markham, <laughs> this is the Markham Bridge, and there is what you believe to be a rescue helicopter above the water? Well, there are, the rescue copters are white and orange, aren't they, kind of? I don't really know the answer to that. Oh, well, it did, not, it did not look like a news copter, and it was hovering right above the water. Uh, since I was taking 84, I couldn't really get a better view, but hmm. there's something or someone's in the water. It could be a whale. It could be. It's probably not a whale. It could be a shark. It could be a shark that got inland somehow. Uh, all right, and that was just, just now you saw this? Yeah, just like two minutes ago. All maybe. right. Well, we have a lot of delivery uh, drivers out there and, and uh, taxi drivers and uh, police officers and so forth. We'll have uh, see if anybody can figure it out. Cool. Thank you for the heads up. Hey, how nice day. You too. Sorry, a little belch there. Wait. Don't talk about it. I'm just in case you wonder why I was suddenly in a... You're always making weird noises. I am not. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, it's just, I'm on the Markham Bridge right now. It's just Jet Ranger 6. What's that? What? That's the, uh, uh, that's the CBS Channel 6 chopper. It's hovering around for some oh, reason. So I don't just, know why. Well, you'll, you'll never see the coverage of that. I was just going to say, it's just CBS causing more trouble. Yeah, just CBS way, bothering things again. Yeah, I call because that guy's show completely blew. Your uh, your humor meter is completely broken. That was a funny... I thought it was... That joke sucked. Do you have a, do you have a better one? No. No, of course you don't. Ass. It's easy to criticize. Sir, yeah, it's easy to tear down, sir. It's harder to be constructive. Mm-hmm. All right. I thought it was a funny joke because it had the word whore. And and it was a linguistically incorrect horde, which yeah. is because it's a child. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. Hey. Little girl walks into a pet shop. Uh, okay. And she looks up with her big blue eyes and says to the pet store owner, "It's creepy already." Do you sell bunny rabbits here? And he thought, "Oh, that's so sweet. Would you like a fluffy white bunny rabbit or a shiny black bunny rabbit?" And she looked at him and says, "Well, my boa constrictor doesn't really care what color it is." You know any knock-knock jokes? I don't feel this joke worked very well. I feel it was well executed, but it, the content is just not amusing. I give you a E for effort, though, sir. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Well, see, he thinks it's funny. That's what counts. Comedy is, uh, you know, in the eye of the thing. He's Hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, see you later. Hi. Hey, Rick. Yeah. Hi, yes, hello. Hey, hey. This is Bobby Terrell. Hi. Bobby Terrell, how are you, sir? Yes. I'm yes. doing excellent. Uh, just to comment on what's going on downtown, I am actually a courier driver myself, so uh, uh, I was coming across the bridge. What they're doing is it's, uh, it's the Coast Guard doing a routine uh, rescue drill. Now that's what they're telling you. They're not telling you there's like a warhead or something at the bottom. I'm kidding. There's not a warhead. Uh, well, it's a routine. Know, so it, but you're saying it's not it's not the the CBS helicopter or whatever that is. It's Coast Guard helicopter. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I mean, like you know, but you know, it could be a front. You could be totally right. It could be an all fire and we're all going to be dead within ten minutes. All right. Well, let's let's hope that that's not the case. All right. Thank I'll you, sir. For the next ten minutes. Bye. Excellent. Okay. Probably a drill. Okay. Bobby Terrell says it's a drill. Bobby Terrell. Bobby Terrell. Bobby Terrell. Bobby. Uh, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Hey, Rick, a yes. joke for you. Uh, does, it have the word, is, does it have the word whores in it? It does, but it's clean. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, uh, do you want to think about it, or do you feel like it's good to go? No, it's definitely good to go. Okay. Guy is rowing down the Thames River in London with two girls in his boat, passes under a bridge, and he sees his friend 
friend waves to him and says, Ari, where'd you get the oars? He says, them's no oars, them's me sisters. That's stupid. <laughs> that really is stupid, but it's funny. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, I, I fear we've started something um, unstoppable here. Okay, I'm not going to take any calls for a few for a few seconds. We're going we're gonna to give that just the tiniest bit of a rest. Here's Tim Riley. Well, officials at Pennsylvania's state fair say they won't press charges against the man who pierced his leg on an iron fence uh. when he tried to get in without paying the $5 admission fee. <laughs> Rescue workers using ladder checks at a forklift reached the man who was suspended some 12 feet from the ground. Oh, we, read, we heard about this guy. He was impaled on the fence and then hung there yeah. by the impalement. 45 minutes. And hydraulic Jesus. tools were used to free him. That is no He was good. sent with about two feet of fencing to a hospital. God damn. The area in which he was impaled contained, oh, contained a major artery. Uh, they say he and several others attempted to scale the fence to see a rock concert without paying the $5 fee. Yeah, next time just pay the $5, friend. Just That's a lot down. of money back there. Yeah, I suppose. They're in the rust belt. Uh, Dallas police say they're looking for a man who allegedly bit a lady in her car during a robbery. Valerie Jenkins said the suspect jumped into her window and tried to take the money she was holding in her hand when she was stopped at an intersection while counting it. Finally, I guess he decided, if he bit me, you know, maybe I'd open my hand. And, man, I mean, he just sunk his teeth into me. Uh, the man bit her to make her let go of the money. Well, these are the teeth marks because I have money in my hand. She tried to get away. And he jumped in my window and threw my car in park where I couldn't take off. Valerie is now frightened. What if what if he had had a gun? Or, or you know, I mean, We're stuck. my kids wouldn't have a mom right now. All right, let's not get melodramatic, shall we? Let's try to keep our emotions under control. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I don't care for these outward displays of emotion. Hello, yes. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, there's a mute point right now, but there was a rescue boat and the Coast Guard helicopter. So, but it was a drill, apparently. Yeah, it was, because they had a Coast Guard boat down there, too. You sound a little disappointed that it was a drill. Well, no, so one guy beat me to it because I, I called in after oh, I that one guy said it was a blue one. Well, that's Bobby Terrell. It's hard to beat Bobby Terrell to the punch. Yeah, what? he needs glasses. We can give her a chance to tell a joke. All right, do you have a joke? No, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I can give you a second. <laughs> that's okay. I can't go. I tried. I couldn't come up with one. Uh, I'm sorry for all of us. Thank you. Uh, Bye. Uh, a couple of small pieces of news. You may have seen this here. Pop star Kelly Clark, pop star Kelly Clarkson has resurrected her tour. The singer who planned to hit the road over the summer will now launch the 24-city trek October 10th in Vernonia, I'm sorry, Verona, New York. Uh, the summer trip was postponed due to poor ticket sales, and because, as Clarkson said at the time, it was just too much too soon. Fans who held tickets for the canceled shows are eligible for a special Ticketmaster code to buy seats at new shows. Further information at kellyclarkson.com, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter, not coming here. When does her tour start? October 10th. She's coming to Seattle oh. November 12th at the Paramount. Uh, let's see. And I'm just going to read this little Britney thing. Uh, we're not going to even make it a Britney watch. I have another Britney thing. Really? Well, which is it? The one? Does I have it, the one from the Star. Uh, the Sun. Does it contain? Does the headline rhyme with the phrase "Pat Pig"? No, it doesn't. Oh. This is a uh, Barney Britney's Barnet Barney. I guess it's something British. Well, I'm just going to say maybe I'll take that with me and ask someone to explain it tomorrow when I'm in London. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we might as well do a Britney watch then, because right. we got three. Here's a, uh... Yeah. Right. What if we just went from this to a pig noise? I think Aww. I did it again. I think you'd laugh at it. I think she's stupid, not fat. 
I did like the pig noise. Excerpt you saying that, Scotty. What we need is the Britney watch, where we go from, you know, I think I did it again, and then Sarah going, I think she's stupid, not fat, and then just Britney going, my babies or something, and then the end. All right, here's uh, here's Tim Riley. Tormented Britney Spears went ballistic at her hairdresser moments before her doomed MTV Music Awards performance. Doomed! The trouble star, who apparently saw her hairdo, and had been given antidepressants by her doctor. Critics then branded her performance with the new Give Me More, bored and glazing, as she forgot dance moves. An MTV source tells his son, The scene in the dressing room before the show was one of absolute blind panic. She knew she wasn't rehearsed enough and was going to mess up the whole show and possibly her career. Then she saw her hairdo and that was the final straw. She went into a wild rage and started lashing out at everyone, including her stylist. Desperate lackeys at the Las Vegas Palms Casino fetched her doctor who gave Britney the prescription drugs. The source says Britney took it up to Florida Elephant. They calmed her down, though, and clearly they were too uh, effective. But the disaster may have been avoided if Britney hadn't reportedly objected to celebrity hairstylist and good friend Jessica... Uh, oh, she's a good friend of Jessica Simpson uh, doing her hair. Well, see, uh, yeah, the story that the the, pre- the hair guy, the hairstylist has said... Ken Paves. Yeah. Nerd. Fashion How nerd. How sad is that? Gossip nerd. Oh, she even had an ab-defining spray tan put on before going on stage to make her no. look more toned. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they could do that. Oh, yeah. An ab-defining spray tan? I suppose so. Basically spray painting ab? That's like your 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 fat friend's joke about getting a six-pack tattooed on. He is not fat. You know what I'm saying. He, he has a little bit of a gut. I'm no one to talk, but you know what I'm talking He's a yeah, we wanted to kind get a, a six-pack tattooed on his stomach. And he, yeah, we were joking about, about 300 and Spartacus, and he was talking about getting a six-pack tattooed onto his beer gut. Um, she was inconsolable. She is said to have screamed afterwards, oh, my God, I look like a fat pig. Yeah. I look like a fat pig. Yeah, see, it's funny when she says it. I know. Um, I, I would love to have Brittany on tape saying that. Um, Scotty, get around. See, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, that, you know, the celebrities probably have access to all kinds of super makeup uh, that the rest of, you know, the humanity doesn't oh, have. Totally. Well, like, even just working at Coin, I know that you're like, they have this, bur- this makeup for burn victims. That they- I wore burn victims makeup. Yeah. Everyone at Channel 2 has that orange jack-o'-lantern makeup on. Yeah, totally. No, it's, and, and so the, the idea that there's some makeup to give you uh, abs. So the story the hairstylist has put out, though, is that Brittany asked him to do her hair and he refused. So she says, that she fired him halfway through the hairdo. He says she asked him to do her hair, and he was like, no, because there's nothing, like, no way your hair can look good, and I'm not going to get tagged with being the guy who made you look good. But what about the first, like... sh- first shot of her? Was the back of her head, and she looked like Cousin It from the Adams Family? Oh, that she looked was like so Leon Russell. Yeah. Um, it was all frizzy and messy. Yeah. It the, like she just got up. The story, which I believe, is that Brittany said, will you do my hair? And he, he thought, and he looked at her, and he went, bad idea. And he said, no. No, I'm not going to do your hair. Bye now. That's the story. Um, yeah, and so this is from um, music.yahoo.com. Blah, blah, blah. Brittany said, oh, God, I look like a fat pig. Um, <laughs> and it's your laugh that sells that. Tim's chortle. His evil, evil, soulless chuckle. Um, the st- so, yeah, Brittany, her version is that Ken was in the middle of doing her hair, and she said, you're annoying me. Get out. Anyway, he told Us Magazine, though, he said he decided not to do her hair for professional reasons. Reports are also saying, big surprise, Brittany chose her own outfit for the performance. And then we've got this from VegasBlog.LATimes.com. They have listed the top five Britney Spears Britastrophes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Tim likes everything today. 
Um, and I'm not even going on vacation. Uh, let's see. Uh, top five uh, Britney Spears mistakes. Five Britney bombs at the VMAs. Well. Four. Uh, let's see. Um, this is when uh, it, Britney threw a baby bottle um, at... Um, Somebody, some guy. I, I guess her. That one. I don't know. Her her bodyguards were accused of attacking Flint Online photographers at um, at the Wynn Casino, and then she threw a baby bottle. At him. I didn't even hear about that. Mm-hmm. Three concert at the House of Blues in Mandalay Bay. I remember that. That was one of her mini comebacks where she lip synced for like twenty minutes and people paid five hundred bucks for it. Number two, she that New Year's Eve thing at Pure where she fell asleep with her pants around her ass. Uh, and number one, the Vegas wedding. That guy, I was thinking about Jason Alexander, the Britney husband. I was thinking about that guy last night for some reason. You know what? That's this... a little weird. What are you going to do? It's uh, Our Brit- lives are weird. Brit- yeah, we think about things a lot of times that other people other people are having real lives. And I'm at home thinking about Britney Spears. Um, but I was thinking about that Jason Alexander guy she was married to for like a day. This is exactly the moment when he ought to be releasing that book about what it was like growing up with and then married, you know, to be married to Britney Spears for a day and a half. This is his moment. I mean, we all thought that Britney was done and finished. This is the golden window for him, for for Jason Alexander to put out his book about growing up with her, knowing her, and then spend like do like the OJ thing, you know, where you, then you spend a whole like three chapters doing literally blow by blow, minute by minute of the trip to Vegas, the wedding, the wedding night, throw in the graphic sexual details, you know, whatever, and then the divorce, the annulment, the payoff. This, this is the moment for him to be doing that right now. I'd buy it. You know, if Britney's a uh, one-time husband wrote a tell-all, a steamy graphic tell-all about about their uh, their marriage and their whatever right now. You know we'd all buy it. All of us. Yeah. Every single one of us yeah. would buy it. So, anyway. Uh, there's your Britney watch uh, for, uh, you know. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Stop. 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 <laughs> I can't pause on this thing. Snorting. Okay, I know. You'll have to start from the beginning. Hold on. Uh... Really? Okay, hold on, just one second. One think, moment, please. I think we can. I think we can do this here. Uh, what is it called? Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm finding it. What is it called? Is it is it is it called Sarah? Oh, it, Scotty, put on the screen. Look in the RAS folder, and the, the Sarah soundbite is there. And then I foolishly assumed that mean that it was there. That, that that thought he meant that it was there, but apparently it's not done yet. Oh, it's oh. a different there that's there. All right, fine. Before you go, there's something I want you to have. All right. Oh, okay. Of course, and it did too late now. Do we get the? Uh... Hold on. I think she's stupid, not fat. <laughs> yeah, we'll find a way to use that. Well done, Scotty. Thank you. Uh, let me read this. Um, okay, let me let me uh, read this one email. Then we'll break. We'll come back with more from Tim Riley. If you're on hold, hang on. We'll get your calls after the break. Later on, top five. Uh, we'll talk to Dennis Pitsenbarger. It is High Concept Thursday as well. Uh, this is the last time we'll talk about Mad Men today. I'm just going to read this one brief email about Mad Men from uh, our friend Patrick, who's a big fan of Mad Men as well. Um, Rick, there is also the whole deal with the dis- this is a this is a couple sentences. Then we'll then we'll move on. Uh, but I have to read this. Said Rick, there's also the whole deal with the disreputable man lives here thing that the hobo left on his father's fence, which was yes. great. Mm-hmm. 
He asked the mistress uh, one last time about going to Paris because he knew she would say no because she was secretly in love with the beatnik guy. He needed to have someone else make the decision for him, but his biggest fear at that moment was becoming the disreputable man that his father was. He was indeed at a crossroads and went back to his wife that he is growing to despise more and more. Yeah, he hates that wife of his. He has the whole... Well, it takes so long to get home. He had the whole issue with his boss and his wife, and he is starting to crawl out of the predestined BS that is his life. His wife is a child that demands he take care of her and all her childish needs, and his boss is a child that thinks he can do whatever he wants, including hitting on his wife. He is trying to exact a bit of revenge on both of them. Uh, he knows that wronging uh, his wife makes him disreputable. Wronging his boss makes him stronger. Madman is kicking more ass than ever. Yeah. Well, there you go. Great show. All right, uh, we'll break here. We'll come back. Uh, after this, more of Tim Riley. Top five Dennis Pittsburgh, top uh, or uh, high concept Thursday, uh, rather. You stay there. This is a Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Now, this doesn't, this doesn't even make any sense. This has nothing to do with traveling. It's Rocky Mountain High, John Denver's plane crash. Is he about? Oh, I see. It's just plane crash day. We should have done top five artists killed in plane crashes. Mm. We still can. I'll do it. I got the top five traveling songs all set, though. We could. I guess we could also do top five plane crash. We could do two, two, two top fives. Two? It is two for Thursday. But the strings already broken. Now this is the sad song they always play in the montage of John Denver's life. To keep chains fast, and it don't last for long. The Colorado Rocky Mountain High. I even like Thank God I'm a Country Boy. I love everything about John Denver. How about Annie's song? Annie's song is great too. Grandma's Feather Bed. Grandma's Feather Bed, I love that song. My favorite song he did was with the um, this um, the Spanish opera singer. Uh -huh. It's called Perhaps Love. It's the most beautiful song I've ever heard in my life. We could just sit and listen to John Denver all day. You know who I really like? You know, I didn't know it's an overstatement to say I really like them. But you know what I was listening to the other day? I was listening. Let me just, since we're talking about top fives, wait, hold on, let me have some viso here. This song's all sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, it's even sadder when they're having a montage of his life and it's like gone a montage of soon. flaming plane wreckage. Um, since we're talking about doing two top fives, top five plane crash artists and uh, top five traveling songs, there's a sort of a boarded top five I tried to do for last week. And, I, man, I had Court and Fatboy. We, all three of us were trying to come up with five artists. I was trying to come up with... I was trying to come up with the top five songs always used ironically in a movie. I was trying to come up with the top five songs that you never hear used unironically. 
that if the if the movie if the song shows up in a movie, it's always being used like as a joke. Like why do birds suddenly appear? That's the one that was, but that was my that was my gold standard. Was close to you by the Carpenters. Mm-hmm. See, and it's so great that you did. I thought that, and I thought Love Hurts by Nazareth. Oh, yeah. Like in Halloween. Um, Total Eclipse of the Heart is always saying ironically in that. Usually totally. it's a karaoke sequence. Yeah, it's, it's like a drunken friends, drunken mm-hmm. girlfriends at a bar. But Close to You by the Carpenters is always used as a joke. You know what? I was listening to that because so, uh, my wife's a big Carpenters fan. And I was actually loading some Carpenters onto her iPod for her trip to Italy. She's like, I'm going to be in Italy. I need to have my Carpenters with me. And I'm like, okay. And I was listening to Close to You. And as smothering and as sort of mahogany as that 70s production is, you know, Close to You is a great song. It really is. I mean, there's just something legitimately beautiful about the song Close to You by the Carpenter. I don't care if people think it's corny or not. Close to You is a beautiful song. I love that part in Parenthood when he's singing it to her. Totally. When Rick Moranis comes mm-hmm. in. And Karen Carpenter had a great voice. I don't know what that range is. She's a, what do you got? It's a, a, a contralto, I think she was. Kind of a mannish sort of a voice. Well, anyway. Yeah, she's dead. All right. Oh, let's play this before we go to Tim. Can you just... I think she's stupid, not fat. <laughs> that was that was well done. The, you know, I like the scissors. I can hear the snipping. And it's the final um, at the end. The final snort at the end. Well done, Scotty. Stupid, not fast. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, another girl singer in trouble will not be on the Tonight Show. What? I said, <laughs> another girl in trouble will not be on the Tonight Show. In the wake of her nude photo scandal, high school musical star Vanessa Hutchins... She's going in a nude direction? She's not going to be on The Tonight Show. She was expecting to appear with Terry Bradshaw and Michael Bubble. And uh, according to The Tonight Show uh, rep, it says, Vanessa will not be appearing on Thursday show due to a scheduling conflict. Uh, Her fully nude photograph appeared on the web, and a Disney spokeswoman said, We hope she's learned a valuable lesson. She has apologized for what is obviously a lapse in judgment. Wait, so this is the, this is the Jennifer Hudson or whatever her name? Hudson. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm morphing her with the American. She's in High School Musical 2. Yeah. So, you know what? I don't think that's going to be as big a deal as everybody thinks it is. Everybody's trying to make it like oh. it's the end of her career. Walt Disney's been dead for 40 years. You know what? And, uh, I mean, I hate to just to be another guy going, uh, children are dead, but you know what? Kids, I don't think kids are phased by that these days. No. I really don't. I think the idea that... Um, that somehow you saw her her breasts uh, exposed, and so therefore she can just never act again. I just I you know I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna hurt her career at all. I don't think it's gonna do anything. I remember, and this is probably um, not a thing that many people remember because I think we just sort of you know, moved on. Because again, again, it was also not a big deal. Do you remember when Madonna those nude photos of Madonna came out? Oh yeah. And there was this time when as retarded as this sounds, when Madonna thought it was going to be the end of her career that there were some nude photographs of her being published. Um, you know what, and I think this uh, this is really just a, a tempest in a teacup is what it is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, some of the signs you may see in England, and police are being mocked for this. One of the posters says, don't commit crimes. These are posted outside of uh, petrol stations, warning people to pay for their fuel. So you'll see these, uh, don't mm-hmm. commit crimes. Well, I'll get right on that. 
Uh, the other big story when you get over there is that uh, that young white girl whose parents are reported missing now that they think the parents have something to do with it. Well, the, the parents opinion. always have something yeah. to do with it. My opinion. That's always what It's always the parents. Uh, Baroness Thatcher has uh, left 10 Downing Street after meeting with Gordon Brown. She's 81. She spent more than two hours there. Uh, and no telling what she did there. She had private talks with the new prime minister. Uh, let's see here. It's time to put the Brits in space. Apparently, they're Brits ha- they in have... space. They're going to send them to the moon. Why? I don't know. It says the U.K. must play an active and central role in future human space missions. So they're going to go to the moon and to Mars. Okay. I mean, I don't mean to make fun of the Brits. Especially well, I'm trying like to find some talking points going when, you, when you get there in the pub. So, so, I, oh, so, when, I'm, so when I'm hanging out uh, on, on the Thames or whatever, I can... Um, I can strike up conversations with the locals. Let me put these together, and here's the uh, stapler here. <laughs> My British talking point. Yes. So, uh, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so, mate, uh, I hear that former Prime Minister Baroness Thatcher has left 10 Downing Street, eh? Uh, that's right, you ugly American. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Governor? Ah, I love the Beatles. Do you remember when the Beatles came from your country? It was awesome. All right. Well, probably okay. not. No. Well, People Magazine says uh, Beyonce and Cameron Diaz are great role models for women. According to the Best and Worst Addressed, they include the two women on the positive side of things. Also in the Best Dressed list are Katie Holmes, Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Lopez, and Reese Witherspoon. On the flip side, Bond girl Ava Green was labeled the worst dressed of 2007. Uh, the editor says she was a uh, major, are you kidding, type of a girl every time she stepped out. Other fashion crimes include Britney Shaved Head and American Idol finalist Sanja Malika. This is what, what? What is this list? The best dressed stars of 2007. Okay. Would you like to see it? No, not really. Uh, Madonna and her family are now in Israel to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. According to the website... Uh, the pop icon uh, landed in the Middle East, along with their hubby, Guy Ritchie, the material girl. Wow, these are like old words. And her kids. <laughs> the material girl, really? And, and her hubby. What? Yeah. And the hubby. And her and the old ball and chain. What uh, What uh, the, the news source is that from? Uh, Metro. Well, that would explain it, I suppose. Uh, it's full of old disc jockeys who have nothing better to do. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore, and Rosie O'Donnell are expected to join Madonna today. For what reason? Oh, uh, Madonna is practicing uh, Kabbalah, which is a mystical offshoot of Judaism for nearly a decade, but it's not the, the Jewish religion at all, so I don't know what they have. Who knows what they're talking about? Uh, federal authorities say they dismantled a criminal operation that was smuggling hundreds of pair of counterfeit Nikes from China into the United States. They've been sold on street corners. A grand jury in Buffalo indicted 21 people from New York and several other states in uh, the trafficking of counterfeit goods. The investigation began, and authorities traced the fake Nike sold in Niagara Falls all the way back to China. Will all problems begin? Another of the fake sneakers, which at 40 to $60 a pair, sold for about half the retail value, were sold by licensed Nike retailers. The advice given to consumers is be careful to make sure you have real Nike stuff. Oh, they, they found 20,000 pairs of Chinese Nikes. Uh, two days after the Wall Street Journal reported fugitive Democratic fundraiser Norman Hsu was found sprawled on the floor in a fetal position in a train cabin surrounded by pills, he also drafted a suicide note, and he uh, went briefly missing. So apparently they captured him, and there'll be no more donating to Hillary Clinton. You hear that? 
Hillary will have to get her money elsewhere to uh, assassinate people, Scotty. Her ring of her ring of death won't go uh, won't grow larger on that guy's dime. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Uh, this is Greg. Hi, Greg. How are you, sir? Hey, Rick. Um, not to be a buzzkill or bring uh, down the show or anything, but uh, go ahead. my uh, my and I understand that none of you have children except Scotty, but um, I have a three year old who's going to be having open heart surgery tomorrow. Oh, and uh, yeah, quite quite stressful and. Uh, Probably. That's probably an understatement. I can't even imagine. If I can, I don't mean to uh, probe for unpleasant details, but is this like a, how long have you known that was going to be necessary, or did that like come out of the blue? Yeah, it kind of came out of the blue. He had a, he had a small hole in his heart from the time he was born, and they were kind of like, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, come back once a year. And we went back this last time, they're like, not fine anymore, please, now to be coming in and letting us uh, to patch it up. So Jesus. It's, uh, yeah, it's not like he's going to die or anything, but it's still, you know, as a parent or any loved one, you're just kind of gripping. But yeah. I wanted to uh, let you guys know that you will be with me during five hours of the most brutal time of my life because I'll have you on the iPod and just want to thank you for the entertainment you provide, all that good stuff. So. Uh, well, I guess uh, in a, uh, I don't know, it seems inappropriate to say this, but I guess in a weird way, I guess that's, I guess I am flattered that you would uh, that you would choose us to sort of uh, I don't know to to help you get through that or whatever. I uh, in one, well, I mean for for what it's worth, well, we're uh, you know tell uh, yeah. tell him all the guys at the station house are pulling for him, sir. I mean, of course. I hope everything works out uh, as well as can be expected. Yeah, I, I think it will, and I, like I said, I just wanted to thank you guys. I've been listening for about seven years, and uh, just really appreciate the show and what you guys do. So all right, my friend. Uh, right. Well, Take our care, thoughts Rick. our thoughts are with you. Thank you, sir. All right, all right there you go. Oh. Jeez. This show's been around for a long time. Yeah. Seven years. Well, that, as, that must have been the second version of the show. As Spinal Tap says, uh, this is just too much effing perspective put on things sometimes. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, it is, uh, let's see. Well, we're coming up on the top here. I'm, here's what we've got. So, uh, coming off that, we've got uh, three jokes of indeterminate quality. We could take a break. I was trying to find a song to play, actually, and, you know, it's just, I'll have to get it during the break. It's upstairs on my computer. A guy sent me a song yesterday that I wanted to play, because we were talking, it's not a Carpenter song, but we were talking about the Carpenters, maybe think of, of other things. It sent me in this whole chain of events inside my head. Well, it's not that important. You can give up if you want. <laughs> you can just chuck it right now. Time to lower our standards, everyone. Uh, let's see. Well, let me flick through this. Oh, by the way, they want me to interview. Uh, here's the latest useless interview tip. Would you like to interview best-selling author? Here's a, a, a scrap of paper from the past. Mm -hmm. Interview best-selling author Robert Fulgham. Who's he? Fulgham. Uh, Robert Fulgham. You know Robert Fulgham. I don't know. Okay, think about it. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to spell it for you because it doesn't look like it's spelled. See if you, if you remember this. Robert Fulgham. F-U-L-G-H-U-M. No. Anybody know who Robert? Yeah, I will guarantee you, Robert Fulgham may be one of the most famous authors whose name you don't know. Because I will not even get the first four words of his most noted book out of my mouth before you immediately go, oh, that guy. Robert Fulgham, who wrote... The culturally landmark, and I'm not being facetious about that... This is one of those things that immediately entered the popular culture and is being satirized and parodied and referenced to this day. It was the very definition of an instant classic. Robert Fulgham, author of the classic bestseller, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Oh. Apparently oh, yes. he's written something else. He wrote uh, a book called, uh, an inspiring new book called Something. 
So they buried the they buried whatever the new book is like way way down at the bottom because they just keep oh it's called what on earth have I done? <laughs> um, anyway, so they they've asked if we'd like to. Uh, oh yeah. No 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 no. The answer is no. Uh, let me read this quick Indiana Jones email. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll get your phone calls. We'll do the top five. Just, just nothing, nothing but jokes on the line here, Rick. Heard you talking about Indiana Jones 4. Here is your, oh, this is from Aaron. Here is your Geek in the City Indiana Jones 4 rumor control. Kate Capshaw went on record to say that she would like to play in the movie again, but I don't think they need me. I think she is just looking for publicity, because a guy had called yesterday to say that Kate Capshaw of Temple of Doom fame was going to return to the Indiana Jones franchise. The caller might be thinking about Kate Blanchett, who is in the film, not Kate Capshaw. Kate Blanchett will play a naughty Baroness-esque Soviet, uh, Soviet villain. John Hurt is rumored to play Abner Ravenwood, Marion's father, not Indy's father. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Marion claims he is dead in Raiders after she drops the hint about her pregnancy. I was a child! I was in love! It was wrong and you knew it! John Hurt will not be playing Henry Jones since the script will make a mention of Henry Jones' death years prior. There you go. The official word, sirs and madams, from uh, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran. So uh, there you go. Well, so, that's a shame. Probably no ca- No, it's not a shame. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like opposite day for the last ten minutes here. Everything I'm in favor of, you're again. And everything no. you're again, I'm, I'm in favor of. I think it's time for vacation. <laughs> done and done. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Phone calls. More Tim Riley. Uh, top five traveling songs, and it is High Concept Thursday. I Stay have there. plane crash songs if you want them to. Really? Mm-hmm. How many? How many plane crash songs are artists? Uh, artists that have died in plane crash. I'd crashes. like to hear you do a top five where I don't know what's coming up. You want to do an ad hoc top five? I have it. I'd like to see who you come up with. Excellent. Okay, back after this Rick Emerson show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, here's what's coming up. Our final uh, show here and then uh, vacation tomorrow and, then and next gone. week. you're gone. I'm gone tomorrow and then you're gone next week. Mm-hmm. So uh, best of us for the next few, uh, next six days, I guess. Uh, we'll talk to Scott in a second find out what's coming up best of wise. Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week, two top fives today. I swear to God we're going to get it. Uh, and Tim Riley as well. It was really a mistake to start asking. I didn't ask for jokes. I just sort of yeah, was talking about Yeah, you joke, them. and everyone has something they can tell. It was a mistake. So I'm going to clear out these jokes, and then we're going to be done. Done. Done with that. We're not going to do that anymore. Never, ever again. Uh, let's see. Before we... Daddy J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolius. Why, hello, Scotty J. Why, how's it going, Rick? Hi. So, uh, are we any closer to deciding what we're going to be playing tomorrow for a best of? Yeah, I was done with that yesterday. I just don't really know he's, what it is. He says smugly. Can I <laughs> Can I see it? The yes. Ass broken out here? Let me see. Hmm. Hmm. What is that? Among the subjects that will be covered on tomorrow's best this is the uh, breakdown of all the topics on, okay. on, on tomorrow's best of. The revelation that, and this is with an exclamation mark, Sarah showered yesterday. How um, long ago was that? 
Was that when I was in my no showering uh, phase when I what, had my what's hair? What's the date on that? Was it like a year ago? This is from July of this year. Oh, I was showering then. Um. Okay. I mean, it's got some interesting stuff in there. Okay. Looking at, I'm looking through here. Let's see. Hour two is actually from a different day because we eliminated some news so we could do it live. Scotty is being difficult. Scotty lasted one day. Scotty is quitting. Scotty, 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 Scotty. And that is a drunken Scotty J audio, so there's ah. that to look forward to. All right. Scotty, we're so proud of you. Let's see. Uh, I didn't mean for that to be there, though. We were just filling in because I had to remove an hour out of there and replace it with something. Unknown tool. All right. I, I don't even know what any of this means. I'm just going to hand it to you. It sounds gripping. Uh, let's get these four calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show with a joke. Hi. Uh, all right. So this guy with a wooden eye is at a party, and no one wants to dance with him. With a, I'm sorry. A guy with a wooden eye? Yes, a wooden yeah. eye. It's an interesting setup. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. By the way, I did leave this one on uh, one of Sarah's pictures, her peg leg picture, I think. Okay. Anyway, okay, a guy with a wooden eye is at a dance, and no one's dancing with him. Across the room, he notices a woman with a wooden leg. No one's dancing with her, so he gets excited, runs over there. Would you like to dance with me? The girl gets excited. Would I? Would I? That's when the man gets, <laughs> that's when the man gets mad and yells, pig leg, pig leg. <laughs> you had me at would I, would I. All right. No, that's funny. That gets Thank the whole you. lot. Thank you. All Thank right, you. great. Three more, and then we're never taking another joke again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. I have a joke for you. All right, sir. All right, uh, when you were a kid, did you ever blow a bubble? Now, hold on. I'm going to let you think about think about whether you want to give the punchline to this. When I was a kid, did I ever blow bubbles? I want you to think about whether the punchline to this is really something you want to say on the air. All right, how do you feel about it, sir? Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's no swear words. Okay. See, all right, I, I just know I'm going to have to bleep this. Okay, go ahead. He's been asking about you. All right, yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye yep. now. Bye. All right, yeah. Yeah, hang up before you can say anything. How, how did I know? See, why do you even? Because. And we just wasted two minutes of the 45 minutes we have left. Benefit of the doubt. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Two more. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, hello, sir. You're on the air. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I got a Halloween joke for you. Okay. Okay, so the little boy walks up to the door on Halloween, and he says, Bicker beat, and the lady says, Don't you mean trick or treat, little boy? And he says, That's what I bet. And she said, What are you this year? And he says, Well, I'm a pirate. She said, Don't you mean a pirate, little boy? And he says, Well, that's what I bet. And uh, she looks around him and says, Well, if you're a pirate, she says, Where's your buccaneers at? No, and he says, no. They're on my bucking head. Where's your no. bucking eyes at? No. <laughs> No. Okay, that's the last no, one. That's it. We're done. Thank you, sir. Seriously. Seriously. Why are you kidding. doing this? I mean, as soon as you look at me. Are I'm... these other jokes? Yes. I'm hanging well... up on you. <laughs> Sarah's just going through and hanging up the phone. I hung up on all of you. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. No need to work blue. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to discourage people who just call in and they sometimes stay yeah, on the hold. Yeah, we really. We don't have any more dump left. Really? That's just. Yeah. I think we just have to draw the line. I I apologize if you Sorry waited. Sorry for hanging up. If you if you waited like four hours to get on and then we just bleeped your joke, I I apologize. This is like when uh, Scott Daly was listing off porn titles yesterday, and he was actually he he was writing them down, but was like, hey, can I can I say this? And like, no, no, you cannot. 
All right, Scotty, anything else you want to share with the people? This is any uh, questions, comments, advice before, because I'm gone after this. I gone, can't gone from it. this place. No, actually, uh, um, we will, you know, so I some of the Sarah, ideas. It'll be you, Sarah, and Tim tomorrow. Right, and, you know, You're, again, and, and tomorrow's now, show should be, it'll be great. So here's what's going to happen tomorrow. It was, random, it was a random deal. It's not going to be that great. So here's the, 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 at the beginning of the show. So probably uh, Tim and Sarah, and perhaps yourself, if they invite you in, will be, will be doing some banter at the top of the show. Then uh, Tim will do news between best of segments. And then next week, it'll be Kristen Bowie and Tim, uh, and then you. Doing if they invite me in. If next they invite week. you in, yes. Now, that's up to them. I can't make that call for them. Uh, and, and then be to, and news between segments. And then don't forget, next week, uh, you all will be giving away tickets to the Pirate Festival. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Two family packs of tickets per day. Okay. Uh, to uh, blah, 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 blah. So I'll get you the information. That'll be next week. So. Cool. All right. All we'll right. talk again before the end. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. That's Scotty J. Um, okay. Well, it's 2.15. Do you want to do your top five? We've yeah. We've got two top fives. We've got the top five traveling songs. Oh, before you do that, I'm glad I reminded myself of that. Thank you, Rick. Well, you're welcome. Let me read this. You're crazy. Uh, and then we'll do Sarah's top five. Top five plane crash, uh, deaths. Where did I, uh, I swear to God I had this, uh... No. No, I don't know where the stop is. Damn it. I can't hit stop either. I think she's stupid, not fat. Is that how they like? No. Damn it. What is going on with your computer? I, I don't know the answer to that. Hold on a second. Oh, for the love of Christ. Okay. Greetings and salutations, Kevin Gorman. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including tickets to see the Rose City Rollers and the wonderful knowledge that, for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why God created the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, John... Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin Gorman. You are the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week. And don't forget to uh, get your shot at being the Glorious Bastard of the Week, as well as pirate uh, festival passes and whatnot. Go to 970.am, 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 and sign up to be a glorious... Bastard, here's your five, top five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, so this is an ad hoc top five that it you is. have. Uh, I so, wrote an intro. Guess what? I just got in the email. What? Hey, Rick, here's a joke. And then it has the first, and then it's that bubbles joke again. Somebody just now emailing to me. All right, so these are the top five uh, plane uh, uh, artists killed in a plane crash. Yes. All right. Now, are these in any particular right, these order? Are, these are the top. Well, not really. All right. A couple of them are. The top two are. The unordered top. Five. Okay, so these are the top five artists who died in horrible, tragic. Unexpected plane crashes, while in some cases casually trying to just travel from one location to another, perhaps for a long-anticipated vacation to a foreign country. Uh, this excludes the day the music died, so okay. honorable no, mention. No buddy hall. 
for you. Look at you. Randy Rhodes. Hey, look at that. Well done. Died while trying, while buzzing uh, Ozzy's tour bus. I think the pilot was saying, like, let me buzz the bus, and now I'm going to do some loops, and <laughs> right into a house. I shouldn't uh, laugh. But I mean, it wasn't like it was God just struck them down or something. Like, they, they, I hate to say things like asking for it, but I mean, they were buzzing Ozzy's tour bus. That's just something you shouldn't do. Uh, you know, and Randy Rhodes is sort of the gold standard for hard rock guys dying in, uh, dying in plane crashes. Yeah. The pilot, high on cocaine, seemingly aimed the aircraft at the empty tour bus, and all the passengers were killed. Yep. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Good times. All right. So it's going to be a little... That's fine, because, yeah, you're, the, you're playing them all Number five, Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Yeah, that sucks. You know, the great thing about this is that this is actually the first, I think this is the first number one song he had, and it was after he died. A posthumous number one, this Dock of the Bay, which is not my favorite Otis Redding song, but which is a classic. Boy, great drumming. That's depressing. His entire band was killed. I didn't know that, really. Yeah, uh, the aircraft in which he was traveling plunged into Lake Monona uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, killing the singer, his valet, the pilot, and four members of the barcade. Ah, that sucks. I don't know if that's the same. I wonder if his touring band was the same as the studio band. Sitting on the dock of the bay, a song Redding recorded just three days before yep. he died became his only million seller in U.S. pop number one. Yep. Uh, and he did, you know, but he did a lot of, you know, he did Hard to Handle and Mr. Pitiful and Fa La La La, sad song. I mean, just great cover, Satisfaction. It is kind of scary doing a top five. I'm ready for the hate mail. Totally. Yeah, because now everybody, you forgot! Yeah. Okay, these are the top five musicians killed in a plane crash. Number four. Jim Croce. I thought it was a car wreck. Oh, that's Harry Chapin. This is a sad song. Is this Time in a Bottle? Mm-hmm. Oh, this makes I you want to kill yourself. All these people seem to die at really... Well, I guess there's really no opportune time to die in a plane crash. <laughs> there's no good time to die. But he hit number one with Bad, Bad Leroy Brown, and exactly two months to the day he died in a plane crash really? in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. This is such a sad song. Damn, I haven't heard this forever. I remember growing up, I had uh, 45 or Don't Mess Around with Jim, which I thought was just, it's still, it's just one of the best songs ever. Just a great song. The best thing about this song is that the accompanying YouTube videos just piles of bottles. Really? In recycling bins. Yeah, that's just thousands of bottles in piles. That's someone who's taken the song too literally. I think someone's missed the meaning of it. Someone has missed the concept of allegory. All right. There you go. Top five uh, musicians killed in plane crashes. Number three. Oh, yeah. Patrick Klein. You're actually surprising me with some of these. Some of these I actually hadn't thought of off the tip of my head. Oh, this is... Do you want, yeah. the, do you want the horrible details or not? Yes, I do. Okay. Always. All, the answer to that question is always yes. All right. On March 5th, uh, Patsy Klein, Cowboy Copas, uh, Hawshank Hawkins, and Randy Hughes were killed in their plane, blah, blah, in the swamped woodlands. Identification was difficult as only Patsy's shoulders, the back of her head, and her right arm were in one piece. I didn't know that. Another country star, Jack Anglin, and of uh, the duo Johnny and Jack, was killed on uh, the way to her funeral. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is kind of... Let's go to the funeral. Should we wear seatbelts? No. Let's speed there, too. Her single the time of her death was Leave It On Your Mind. Oh. I didn't know that particular... I thought I knew all the gruesome details. That's like... Have I shown you that photograph of Buddy Holly just laying in a field dead? No. I oh. never want to see that. I'll email no, no, no. it to you with another title. No, somebody... Uh, I, there's a photograph that I... It's like the wreckage. I'm assuming it's Buddy Holly because of the leather jacket. Um, but it's like the wreckage, and in the foreground, there's just a body laying face down on the field. All, all kinds of dead. I didn't know that. Boy, that sucks about Patsy Cline. And then everybody killed on the way to her funeral. Let's drink a lot before we go to the funeral. Go through that stop sign. Jesus. Okay. Well. All right, that's number three. Number two. Yeah. Oh, I love this song, too. I love this song. Me, too. Simple Man, I wouldn't think that you were familiar with this. Oh, yeah. I didn't wouldn't think you were familiar with Leonard Skinner because it just, Southern Rock doesn't seem like your thing. I love I'm not familiar with a lot of it, but I really do like this song. This is such a great song. Heavy guitar, too. Oh, we have to listen to this for a second. I love, 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 I love this song. This might be my favorite Leonard Skinner song. Mama uh, when I was young I could go on and on about Leonard Skinner and how they unfairly have just been pigeonholed as just dumb hick redneck. Because you know, people talk about Leonard Skinner and people think you're just talking about dumb redneck rock. Ronnie Van Santo is a really insightful, very uh, connected songwriter. They've kind of flogged it for years after he's dead. I mean, they, they this allegedly Leonard Skinner played like here last month or whatever. They've just milked it since he died, but... This is such a great song. Hey, UFO plays an interesting cover of this by Shinedown. We have to, we have to wait to hear the, hear the hook at least once. Anybody out there is a big fan of Leonard Skinner. If you haven't heard this already, the drive-by truckers have this their breakthrough album called Southern Rock Opera, which is sort of a concept record about the, li- the rise and fall of a Leonard Skinner. It's basically about Leonard Skinner, but the rise and fall of a, the rise and death of a, let me just say this. Oh, here's the, here's the hook. Boy, that's really heavy sounding. 30 years ago. Yeah, we play this song sometimes called Get on the Plane by the Drive-By Truckers, which is, I think, the second-to-last song on, on Southern Rock Opera. And it is a concept record about the rise, success, and then death of a band that is basically supposed to be Leonard Skinner. And there's this song, the last song on Southern Rock Opera is this eight-minute song describing the plane crash of Leonard Skinner from the perspective of somebody on the plane. And it's called Angels and Fuselage. And it's describing, it's this strangely peaceful song. And the, the line they repeat, I get chills thinking about it. It's the last song on the record, I think. And the, uh, and, and the, the, the line he keeps repeating as the plane is going down and getting ready to crash into the swamp is he, he such a creepy line. He's singing from the perspective of Ronnie Van Sant about to crash. And he has this line where he says, uh, 
he says, looking at the window, and he says, Oh, Lord, I think these angels in the trees are waiting for me. And it's just the creepiest. Oh, that gave me chills. That's creepy. I mean, has, uh, have you ever heard Cameron Crowe's Leonard Skinner story? I may have told the story before, but Leonard, because a couple guys survived. And Cameron Crowe has interviewed Leonard Skinner, the remaining members. And you know that sequence in Almost Famous where they think they're going to crash and they're like spilling all their secrets? He said that was based on Leonard Skinner because the survivors told him that they had about three minutes between the time they knew they were going to crash and the impact. And he said, I don't know if it's true that they poured out whiskey, but he's, Cameron Crowe has said that they survivors have told him that it is true that in the like three or four minutes between knowing they were crash and the crash that they did that they went around the room and everybody revealed like their deepest secrets and they had the goodbye and the I love you because they had about three and a half minutes before impact and he said that 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 almost famous thing is taken right from Leonard Skinner oh okay give me the creeps all right all right number top one. five musician plane crashes oh uh, you guys all know this one. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this is all nice and morbid. Jesus. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains. When was this? 90? John Denver? Yeah, when was this? 90s, right? I don't think so. I think it's 80s. No. Was it that long ago? Why am I thinking it was only like 10 years ago? I have no idea. Yeah, I remember listening to this when I was... No, no, no. I didn't know his crash. The crash. Oh. Oh. The crash. Okay. I'm saying when did... uh, When did he... I don't remember when the plane crashed. 1997. 97. Well, that Denver was, a nice was killed instantly up. in the crash of the experimental plane he was piloting on October 12th in Monterey Bay shortly after takeoff. Denver, an experienced pilot, had taken delivery of the Y-shaped futuristic-looking plane just the day before the crash. They always say that just to make you feel better. Died instantly. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley and the other top five, top five traveling songs. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. the Rick Emerson radio program. Just a second, we'll go to Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, we'll try to crank out this other top five, top five traveling songs. Just anything to lift, lift the death shroud off this program. Rick, thanks, Sarah, for that horrific account of Patsy Klein's death. Brings a whole new spin to I Fall to Pieces. Ha! I'm sorry, that's wrong. I shouldn't have laughed at that. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah... All right. Uh, I was going to read a thing. Oh, uh, well, let me just do this real quickly. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, have a good vacation, Thank buddy. You. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm, in, I'm in love with Sarah because she's the only one I ever uh, heard likes perhaps love. By, uh, you know that song, too? 
Placido Domingo and John. Oh Dittman. my Great. God! It's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. You know, I got to find it at some point. That's I why I married it. my wife because she loved that song too. Sarah. Be sure to pass along a thing about loving Sarah to your wife. I'm sorry. Well, she's out of town. Oh well, well, well. <laughs> done and done then. Okay. But uh, you left off a person who died in a plane crash who uh, you may or may not remember, but it was pretty eventful. It was. Uh, Is this going to be Nelson? Rick Nelson? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what Tim was saying earlier. That was right up there. It had to be. Yeah, Tim and I, because the great thing about Rick Nelson is he had the second act in show business, which supposedly you never had, because he was Ricky Nelson on Ozzy and Harriet, and he was a teen idol. My dad had that album, that Rick album, you know. where Stone Canyon Band. And then, yeah, then he had Garden Party, uh, which is, you know, a great song by any measure, and then uh, Blew Apart in the Air, and then he had those weird-headed kids in that band, Nelson. What, what was he doing in the air, Rick? Well, the rumor was always he was freebasing, but I think that has been disproven, actually, now, scientifically. Oh, really? I think they, they said now... it was a problem with the airplane heater. Yeah, I think they have now... Because it, um, it was carrying into a concert in Dallas, and it caught fire and crashed in Texas. And they said at the time it was freebase cocaine that exploded, uh, Richard Pryor said, but I think now they have shown it was the plane. I think he was unfairly tarnished there, so... All right. Well, well listen yes. to that Perhaps Love. It's a great song. Thank you, my friend. Bye. All right, one more. Yeah, that's going to be, if I ever do, do the... Hey, Rick, what's up, man? Song. Uh, yeah, uh, hi. Hello. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry about hi. that. Hey, hey um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Randy Rhodes, and uh, I was at a uh, record convention years ago, and uh, this, this dealer was trying to sell me Randy Rhodes' death report, or his, like, death certificate, or, like, a copy of it. Really? Like, yeah. For how much? Well, I didn't ask because oh. I, didn't, I wasn't really interested in it, to be okay. honest. All right. Well, fair enough. That's the <laughs> difference between you and me. Yeah. I would totally have bought that. Like I have a rubbing of Joey Ramone's gravestone, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was. I don't know. I mean, I would. I mean, Randy Rhodes is like my guitar idol. And, right. Right. And I just kind of like rather not remember him as a charred, you know, dismembered corpse, and you know, just rather remember him. As well, a, that is that is a strong argument. Um, the uh, you know, of course, the, the 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 thing that sucks about Randy Rhodes, of course, is apart from the actual death, is that he was. By all accounts, about ready to leave rock music and go teach classical guitar at Berkeley or something. So uh, right. I think there was a scholarship actually in his name for a long time at UC Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've, yeah. I've, I've like heard heard a, a lot of uh, a lot of rumors, or, or, or I've like talked to a lot of people about that. And there's a lot of people that say a lot of things, but the uh, the bus driver was like was definitely like high as a kite. Oh yeah, no, I think there was a whole lot of drugs going around there. Yeah, but like evidently he had taken up. Uh, Rudy Sarzo and uh, uh, Tommy Alders, the drummer, prior to taking up the hairdresser and Randy Rhodes, and you know they went up and came down all right. And Randy's like, "It must be safe." Was... What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Go ahead. All right. Anyway, but uh, but uh, Randy was like afraid of flying. Oh, but he's, well. but he's, but he's like, well, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess it's okay. <laughs> they went up there. What could possibly happen? All right. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this, could go wrong. this is Tim Riley. This could go wrong. It was worse than expected. Now it has been established that Greg Odin will be definitely lost for the entire season. Yeah. He's expected to be on crutches uh, for eight weeks. His recovery up to 12 months. So, Blazer fans, find some other support. Don't we have some room hockey team here? Follow curling. That sounds fun. Uh, this also just in. Terrorists have targeted Madonna and Britney Spears in their latest round of threats, calling them prostitutes who deserve to die. 
Uh, this Palestinian terrorist named Mohammed Abdul Al relays his desire to kill the two singing sensations. I will have the honor to be the first one to cut the head of Madonna and of Britney Spears if they will keep spreading their satanic culture against <laughs> Islam and if they will not respect Islam and Allah. That Madonna makes, will cut his head off. I was just going to say, Madonna's like Hillary. You don't want to cross her because she will cut off your sack, sir. That'll be hanging from her rearview mirror. Who, who is that? This is uh, Mohammed Abdul Al. Is he a member of the religion of peace? Uh, he is a Palestinian terrorist, like okay. they all are. All right. <laughs> like all those who wish to behead Madonna and Brittany. You don't want to cross Madonna. I'm telling you, man, she'll have you grounded to a fine paste. Now we need to kill them all. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> you should know this. But when you go to London, a snipper dog is being used to combat the street trade of fake cigarettes on the streets of London. The Safer Neighborhood team in North London began using a German shepherd named Jake in response to concerns raised by the community. So far, he's found 15,000 fake cigarettes. Previously, dogs have only been used to find fake tobacco on ships and uh, planes. Uh, the police say the trade of fake cigarettes is a long-standing problem in the area, and the neighborhood residents want people to crack down. It's got to be stopped. So that's not... All right. Let's uh, roll the other top five here, and then we'll uh, prepare to wrap things up. Here's your five, second top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Here is uh, Tim Riley with today's top five. Top five traveling songs. They're all good ones, too. At number five, it's Judith Priest and Heading Out to the Highway. Yeah. This is also a great road trip song, but these are sort of traveling songs in general. That's what I'm talking about. This is sort of dated, but sort of, sort of wonderfully so. Have these guys reunited yet? I guess they have, or maybe they haven't. You know, I don't really follow Priest all that closely. I guess they were here with Queens, right? Oh, or maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Top five traveling songs. Number four, Bad Company and Moving On. This is a great song. This is off their uh, self-titled debut. I remember this. I had the single. Did you? Really? I didn't know Moving On was a single. I believe so, yeah. This first Bad Company record gets... I, a, little, a lot of it gets overlooked because they're just too busy playing stupid... Uh, it's just overplay. They can't get enough songs. Paul Rogers. Uh, this album has a lot of great songs. It has, the, it has the title cut, Bad Company. It has the song Seagull, which is really great, which is in Friday Night Lights. The interesting thing about this record, you listen to it, there's just no overdubbing at all. It really is just four guys, you know, three instruments and a singer, and there's just no overdubbing at all. It's, I don't know if it was all recorded live, but it certainly sounds that way. I think there's a big whoa-oh here. No. 
Seems like there's a whoa whoa coming up at some point. I remember driving around in my Chevy Torino listening to this. Of course. I think it was a fortune. Counting down the top five traveling songs of all time. At number three, the Led Zeppelin and uh, Night Flight. I received a message from my brother across the water. He sat laughing as he wrote the engine side. Uh, Zeppelin just confirmed that reunion show, by the way, with the uh, inevitable money-grubbing tour to follow. One of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Counting the top five traveling songs of all time. Number two, Johnny Cash and I've Been Everywhere. This is, isn't this using a commercial for something? I was toting yeah. my pack along the dusty Winnemucca Road. When along came a semi with a high-end canvas-covered load. If you're going to win a muckamack with me, you can ride. And so I climbed into the cab, and then I settled down inside. I, you know, you know the, the uh, what am I trying to say? We were talking about Ricky Nelson. Rick Nelson actually covered this. Oh, yeah. I've traveled every road in I have Rick Nelson singing this. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. You know, no one comes up with a novelty for a song like Country Artist. Country Artist come up with song gimmicks like nobody's business. Like this. Business where it's... Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Mattawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barrenfilla, and Vanilla, I'm a killer. It was a point of pride with my dad that he could sing this entire song front to back without line, you know, without, like, the written, written aids. Counting down the top five traveling songs of all time. And at long last, number one, Willie Nelson on the road again. Oh, this is from Live Willie and Family. I think this is the, yeah, this is the one he did the live album with Waylon Jennings. All right, back after this to wrap everything up. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. You now enter the excited part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, I'm just going to read this before I go. Rick, this is from Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Rick, I just went to the coin.com website to see if they had anything about the circling copter. I did notice that Displaced Sports anchor Ed Whalen is still on their website frame. And then she says, really, and then she's speaking about CBS, really, some of our fastest work at CBS is getting people removed from the website the moment they're fired. What's up with coin? They just don't have a work ethic, Susan. They don't have the firing <laughs> work ethic like CBS does. Uh, all right. So uh, on that note, 
Uh, don't forget, uh, I am gone tomorrow and next week. Sarah is gone next week. So starting tomorrow, uh, we will be uh, in what we last we're gonna be calling the best of. And we're going to be calling in, though, and updating on our trip, right? Yes, somehow. i got to figure out how we're going to do that. But, yes, uh, theoretically speaking, we'll be calling in uh, Sarah from the East Coast, me from London and Loch Ness and whatnot. So tomorrow, uh, it is the uh, Sarah, Scotty, and Tim show. Uh, next week, Tim, Scotty, Kristen Bowie, and best ofs and so forth, plus Pirate Festival giveaways and so forth and whatnot and hey, hey. So uh, I'll see you all on the 24th. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents uh, Lisa Goddard and Hey Jim Rube never called us. That bastard, <laughs> he's dead to me. I'll say that and then I'll die and then it'll all and it'll end poorly. Uh, Rick Emerson, show producer, and every devil living salad. You know the rest. I have, have nothing. Fun, I'll see you on the twenty fourth. Bye now. Watch out for snakes, bastards, grinding. Bye. The sheets are red and moist. Where are